Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey gang, what's up? Welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson and Michael Remus with you. And uh, ooh, we're packed. It's opening day at the Downs tonight. Darren Dunn's going to join us later on in the second hour of the program. And we will also resume the rivalry of our head-to-head pick contest. Myself with Michael Remus. There is unfinished business from yours truly after taking an L last season. Tonight, redemption begins with our bets on tonight's uh, track. So Darren Dunn a little bit later on, but we've got lots to get to. And it's going to be real fun. Uh, our two favorite dudes from the Freep, Jeff Hamilton and Mike McIntyre, will both be joining us from outside the city of Winnipeg. Hammer will pop on in about 45 minutes or so from Regina. The Bombers and Riders uh, finish up, well, the Bombers finish up their preseason with a, a pretty skeleton roster sending uh, out west. Of course, this game was supposed to be played eight days ago, got moved to today because of the uncertainty about the labor deal. Now they got it done, uh, but it's a quick turnaround for the Blue and Gold, having played just four days ago. Uh, so almost no recognizable names making the trip. Uh, but we will talk more about the Bombers, where they're at right now, look ahead to the opening of the season. And, of course, Jeff's been all over the Jets situation as well, the latest with Barry Trotz and more. So we'll uh, talk all about that with the Hammer. And I'm sure we'll get into some Jets talk as well with Mike McIntyre and more, who's going to be joining us from Germany. Um, this is cool. Of course, Aaron Cockrell, uh, our top golfer from the province, has been making a name for himself over on the European Tour. Next week, he gets his first PGA Tour start at the RBC Canadian Open. And Mike is uh, headed overseas, hooking up with Aaron, finding a little bit more about the grind of the European Tour. And look ahead, of course, to next week's RBC Open and his PGA Tour debut in Canada. So uh, lots to get to. And, of course, the result that we were all hoping for last night, the Rangers win to move into the conference finals and get the Jets that second first-round pick. We'll get to that with Michael Remus in just a second. Uh, a big thank you. To all the sponsors that make Winnipeg Sports Talk happen each and every day, our friends at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, Vita Health Fresh Market, F Apparel, Wallace & Wallace, Culligan Water, Royal Sports, Manitoba Battery, the Nick & Nicky DQ Group, Boston Pizza, Princess Auto, Little Brown Jug, Not Autocorp, Breezy Bend, Cinnaboy Downs, of course, opening night tonight, Canadian Club Whiskey, and our betting partners over at Cool Bet Canada. Well, let's get Remus in here and get this show going remo uh what's up uh, you got any trees down in uh, in your yard or anything like that everything's still intact since the last time we spoke 22 hours ago what an insane last day that it's been weather-wise around here yeah i don't have any trees down we did have um, my fence in my backyard blew open was worried that um you know someone was trying to get in no it was was the wind and then i just went outside my barbecue cover got torn off by the wind so i just went in Put it back on. So pretty, pretty minor, pretty minor stuff. But it was crazy. I played hockey last night. I got out of the rink at 11.30. And, like, it was pouring. I was like, is, does it ever end? What's going on here? This is crazy. Yeah, it, it, last night was nuts. I mean, I was out watching the hockey game and then went home. A bunch of my associates did, by the way. I should give a shout-out to all the competitors in the $5,000 Booty Shake Monday Tournament of Champions, which apparently took place last night at the Palomino Club. A big, big, big night on the on the Sh Monday. We should have been there here. on location with you coverage. Know what? Listen, sideline I, I was... reporter. <laughs> what were we thinking? 
I know. Tournament of champions? My part. I, yeah, well, exactly. I think they had all the winners from the previous Booty Shake Mondays of the year all going head-to-head -head or booty-to-booty -booty in this nice. case for a $5,000 cash prize. So if you're with us in the YouTube chat and you were there last night, feel free to give us some insider's account yeah. on all the excitement and entertainment that Might was have... down at the PAL last night. Yeah, who cares about the conference final? We got the tournament of champions there. We're going to have to have a guest on <laughs> talk about it. Who's, who's hosting? Breakdown. Who is DJ hosting Finesse. that? Finesse was DJing, I know. We can, I'll text him later on and see if we can get a, a full rundown of everything that happened tonight. Of course, we're joking. Uh, the big. I'm not joking. Well, you know, <laughs> okay, you're right. There, there is some interest. There is some interest, of course, as to what was going on there last night. Um, but for most Jet fans, it was all eyes on Carolina last night, Rima. We knew what the stakes were. If the Rangers could win, the Winnipeg Jets got a second round pick and a, a, a second first round pick in the draft, moving the Rangers second rounder to a first rounder. And was that appropriate or what? Andrew Kopp getting the uh, icing the game with the empty netter. And uh, the Rangers, after that great start, getting a couple goals early, which was so huge, able to finally beat the Carolina Hurricanes on the road and move on to the third round. And as they said, Ranger fans are happy because they're still in the in the hunt for the Stanley Cup. And Jet fans are happy because, you know what's better than one first-round pick? two first round picks and the Jets have them now. And that'll make our, uh, our draft discussions that much more interesting over the course of the next, what, five, six weeks till the draft gets going in Montreal. Yeah, not one, but two first round picks. We'll sound off the uh, alarm here. This is what Beautiful. you do when you get big win, big, big win. win, big win last night for the Jets. You know, don't have any actual on game uh, in game action, but cheering for the Rangers and getting that additional pick. I think we thought there was an outside chance. Maybe Shesterkin could carry them. Like he's definitely been up and down um, in the playoffs, but I think their top six very strong. A lot of that Andrew Kopp, you know, him and Artemi Panarin have been quite a match. Um, Jacob Truba keeps laying people out. Uh, another victim, Seth Jarvis. Hopefully he is okay. But the one thing we talked about again, goaltending last night in Carolina. I mean, just horrible luck with goalie injuries. Freddie Anderson, oh. I thought, you know, when I picked um, Carolina to go to the cup final in my bracket, I assumed Freddie Anderson would be missing, what, a game? Another game, you know, a couple games. I didn't think he'd be missing two series. We don't really know what's going on. And um, and then yesterday, you know, another goalie injury, Antti Ranta goes down. They bring in the third string goalie. And I see a lot of people poo-pooing the Rangers' success going up against Pittsburgh, who had goalie issues. And now Carolina goalie issues. Who cares? Who cares? Well, if, it's I, done. I mean, it's, it's done. They're in, they're in the third round, and uh, the Jets get the pick, but it's going to be a lot tougher for them next round against Andre Vasilevsky. Yeah, exactly. That's a little bit more than the third stringer, Louis Domingue, and the third stringer of the Carolina Hurricanes. And, yeah, that whole Anderson situation was – Listen, goaltending has been a bit of an Achilles heel for the Canes the last few years. And I mean, they moved off from Razik and Ned um, and, you know, completely flipped it around. They got Freddie Anderson, who had an incredible regular season, um, but wasn't able to help his team come playoff time. Antti Ranta was pretty good. He got knocked out last night. They went to the AHL or Pachekov or whatever the guy's name is. Ah, listen, Carolina is a, a heck of a team. And I think they will look back and realize that, I mean, listen, they did have some pretty unfortunate injuries, particularly in net. I'm not sure whether that was the difference. Um, but when you never win a game on the road, you're probably not making it to the third round. No team's ever done it before. No team still has done it.
uh, after the loss last night at home for the Carolina Hurricanes. But from a Jets perspective, um, listen, Jacob Truba, Andrew Kopp, our old pals, got the job done. And now the Winnipeg Jets will pick 14th and anywhere from 29th to 32nd, depending on where the Rangers finish up. I mean, uh, if they if they lose in this round, it'll be 29 or 30th. And if they somehow beat the Tampa Bay Lightning, it'll be 31st or 32nd. But um, listen, it's just going to give us some more uh, things to talk about. And listen, I know there's already some people in the chat saying, hey, with this extra pick, you know, use that one and the 4th and the 14th pick to move up. I think it was Frosty that suggested move up to 5th or to try and get the 5th or 6th pick. I, I'm not sure that that gets it done, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, and, and the one thing that we've heard, Remo, from Shane Malloy, who was on with us, as well as Craig Button, is that this is quite a deep draft. I mean, there's a few players that are sort of maybe in another class right at the top of the draft. But, I mean, you know, you look at the mocks and you have players that are going, you know, in and around the early teens that could very well be available for the Jets when they make that second rounder. So, I mean, they've been pretty fortunate with players falling to them before early on in the draft, I think they're going to hope that it happens twice. Take the best players available and, you know, hopefully get a couple top prospects out of this draft right now. That being said, it is, it is currency. And, you know, if there's a bigger trade that needs to be made and, you know, they're looking to doing it, I mean, it's just a much better situation for the Winnipeg Jets to be in after the win last night. And I guess I should do a mea culpa on this program. I said, I don't know how many times to you, Remus, and people in the chat that the Jets were not getting a first-round pick for Andrew Kopp at the deadline. And I guess I was half right. Um, but you got to give it to Kevin Sheveldea for being creative. I mean, I think we all agreed that considering the situation with the pending UFA and the team not going to the playoffs, that Morgan Barron and two second-round picks I thought was really good return. The fact he was able to get the caveat in there that one of them would turn into a first-rounder if they got to the third-rounder, that's just doing a good job. And... You know, the sun uh, the sun hasn't been shining on Winnipeg very much, but it was smiling on Chevy last night as the Rangers got it done. And uh, now he and his scouting staff have uh, you know many more options, at least going into that first round in Montreal in early July. Yeah, GM Chris Drury said today to uh, Arthur Staple of The Athletic, um, he said, I went around the room last night, and when I got to Andrew Kopp, uh, Kopp said to Drury, sorry about your first rounder. Uh, Kopp fully... <laughs> Only aware. <laughs> I think boy, Andrew. Rangers will take it any day. And just to go over the trade now, as you said, the Jets got a first, a second round, a second round pick, which could either be what the Blues second rounder this year or the Rangers next year. Morgan Barron and a fifth in 2023 in exchange for Andrew Kopp and a sixth in 2023. So you know, first, second, and Barron, and then you swap the fifth and sixth. So I mean, great return for Kopp. I don't know if the Jets are going to opt to select, you know, make both their picks. Maybe they trade the lower one and or trade, you know, the fifth, you know, the mid round and keep the end, you know, the one toward the end. I mean, I have no idea, but, um, you know, if they, you need to move some salary, uh, you have that extra pick now and a huge return for a guy who you know, maybe wouldn't be able to sign or you try to sign him again. I'm, I'm not sure if that would work, but um, I, I think puts him in a great position. Two second, two first rounders definitely better than a first and a second for whoever was, uh, you know, bashing us yesterday for trying to get excited about a, a pick. Come on, um, all we I, got right now. Come yeah, it's on. All, it, I, great. I mean, great news. Uh, great news for sure. So uh, I know a lot of Jets fans are very excited with for the Rangers win yesterday. 
Yeah, exactly. So as I said, it's going to make the draft conversations a little more interesting. Uh, you know, and as well, going back to the point, I mean, we do expect some significant, you know, roster tinkering or possibly roster change. And, um, you know, just that's another uh, another club in the bag, so to speak, for uh, for the general manager when it comes to making those moves. Hey, one other thing, just while we're talking about the Rangers, and I know I didn't tell you about this before, we went, but I, I'll bring this up right now. There's been a lot of talk about... Uh, you know, the leadership group of the Winnipeg Jets and what needs to change going forward. And, you know, certainly I think, you know, most people, myself included, think that there's probably a deal involving Mark Shifley at some point and that changes things. But there's also been the question about the captain, the captaincy, and is Blake Wheeler that guy? Or do they need to make room for some of the younger players to go in and sort of take, you know, at, at least a piece of the captaincy, if you will? And I have to tell you, I was thinking a lot about this last night, looking at the New York Rangers, who played the entire year without a captain. I mean, and that's a team with a player like Chris Kreider, who's been a longtime Ranger, who signed the eight-year extension, would be a logical a logical guy to do that. I mean, you know, you've got the likes of Truba, you've got Panarin. They never named a captain, and they had, I believe, three or four A's for the season. And I got thinking about what that sort of was able to do for so many of those young players that might not have been ready for the full captaincy, but it was quite obvious that they were leaned on for leadership as much as anyone else in the team. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't be surprised. I would not rule it out that the Winnipeg Jets, listen, I'll, I'll say this. I'll make the argument that I think there's something to consider for that sort of a setup next year for the Winnipeg Jets in that you know, whether Blake Wheeler is one of the guys, assuming that he's on the team, that's one of the A's as sort of the more veteran guy. And then you've got a Morrissey and an Adam Lowry and, you know, maybe a Pierre-Luc Dubois or something like that. But I mean, to me, the goal would be to try to truly open up that leadership to more of these younger players that pushed forward last year, that showed that they sort of belong in it and try and get more people feeling like they are a part of it. Because I think that really was an issue for the Jets over the course of the last couple of years. I don't know what you think about that. Wow, I never considered that. And I was ready to shut you down and be like, it's pretty, you'd be pretty degrading to take away the C from a guy and give it to nobody. But then when you frame it like, we're going to go with a collective leadership and everyone take a role. Then I'm like, I maybe I could see people buying into that. Um, I think I would still want to want to have a captain, but you giving me these examples of where it's worked and maybe that is something they do need. Um, it does seem like as far as captain, I would be open to making a change. I, I like what Blake Wheeler has done in the past, but uh, just from hearing the player interviews, it seems like, the status quo need, needs a bit of a shakeup here. So I, yeah. I would be, be open for that. So, you know, giving a, a more collective thing, I think if that's an approach teams are doing, that's something you should look at. And again, I was ready to be like, no, 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 you need to have a guy, but maybe, maybe you don't. Maybe the captain role is just too much for one man to bear us. Well, no, listen, I mean, that isn't the case. But I th listen, there absolutely is an argument that maybe a change needs to be made in that category. And as I said, with Blake, you know, where he's at, I mean, I really hope that he has the level of, you know, humility to accept the fact that this might be a good move for the team and not take it personally and be part of that solution going forward. Because it's quite clear. I mean, and this, we continue to go back to all of the, uh, uh, the comments that we heard from players at the end of last season. Um, you know, there was a lot of, you know, the younger players, if you will, the Nikolai Ehlers, the Kyle Connors, the Pierre-Luc Dubois, 
that you know don't have letters on their jersey that we're pushing forward and we're becoming real leaders on this team and you know i think you want to do everything you can to sort of nurture that and and promote that at the same time maybe without putting all of the pressure which i think got to wheeler at times of being the captain in a canadian market and i just look i mean i think there's a lot of similarities in some ways between the winnipeg jets and the new york rangers with where they're at, sort of the age of their core younger players that are pushing forward that will really be taking them forward. And I think that the way that Gallant handled it this year without naming a captain and really leaning on all of those players to step up, do more, and and be like a captain on and off the ice, it's obviously worked well. So, um, you know, and I think it also, I think it's probably an easier change to do that. It's not like you're ripping the sea off, but if you've got a new coach that comes in, hey, we're going to have a more collective leadership group. Maybe that takes a little bit off of Blake Wheeler and frees him up a little bit more. I mean, I think there could be some positives on that. Um, but I certainly think that regardless of how you set this up, um, empowering those players that we just mentioned to sort of walk the walk after the talking that we heard at the end of last season to be part of that solution and, you know, to, to show that leadership. I think this team definitely needs that. And, you know, I hadn't thought a lot about it beforehand, but I was thinking a lot about it last night, watching the Rangers do what they've done so far in this playoffs, the way they've done and the contributions they got from so many. Um, and, you know, not taking the easy road, which would have just been slapping the C on a guy like Chris Kreider's chest. I think it's really worked out well. And, it, you know, I think there's a reason to give that some strong consideration if you're Winnipeg. But of course, before they do that, Remus, you have to fire out who, find out who's going to be making that call as the head coach mm. of the hockey team. Yeah, I don't know if this qualifies as news for Trot's watch, but we did have a bit of a story from Murat Atesh on The Athletic today. We will be having him on tomorrow and discussing it as I put up the graphic. Uh, Murat reporting. Yeah, we got, can't have Trot's watch without without the graphic. Uh, podcast listeners, you'll have to uh, check out our YouTube for that. Murat saying that sources tell The Athletic that Scott Arneal is a near lock to be part of Winnipeg's next coaching staff, likely in the role of associate coach. Arneal has been an assistant coach with the Capitals for the last four seasons. Before that, worked with Elaine Vigneault in New York. And of course, he's previously worked for uh, the Moose as assistant coach uh, 2000 to 2002. And then he got hired again in 2006 by the Moose. Um, I found this uh, pretty interesting. We'll talk, you know, get more into it with De uh, Jeff later on. But just the fact that you would hire, uh, you know, an associate coach before hiring the head coach. Seemingly, I think the head coach uh, traditionally would hire their own assistants. So I'm not sure... What to make that, I find interesting. That is what Murad is putting out there. To, uh, now, he says near lock. I don't know what near near lock means, but um, Scott O'Neill, near lock to be, according to Murad. That's interesting. Now, there'll be a section of the Jet fans that'll just crap on this just because, you know, Arnie has connections to this organization. I will remind everybody that in four years as the head coach of the Manitoba Moose, he never had less than 40 wins had a 50-win season and did take them to the Calder Cup Finals. Um, now, has some NHL head coaching experience after the year and a half with Columbus. Um, and, of course, has worked with some pretty damn good coaches in both New York with Elaine Vigneault going to the Cup Final in 2013-14 and then with Peter Laviolette with the Washington Capitals. 
Um, I think of this like Dave Poole and I thought did a great job of breaking this down for us when he was in the front office. Remember, he was always telling about the names in his drawer, mm-hmm. you know, guys that, you know, you believe in that you think have great potential. You think are good coaches that you could think you could be leader of men. And those are the guys on your list. Well, I'll tell you what, I think Scott Arneal um, has earned that with the folks that are running this hockey club. Um, but to your question about how it works, if you haven't hired your head coach yet, I mean, absolutely. That's a question. Now, I mean, potentially, and I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here because as we know, uh, some people in this market have gotten ahead of themselves and you end up looking dumb. Um, I would have a hard time imagining that this move would not, it, it, listen, if you were that all in on Barry Trotz, I don't think you get to this point if that hasn't maybe been discussed. I mean, if you're all in on your number one choice, the associate, the associate coach is not going to be the the deal breaker. I, I wouldn't say it, um, but it is interesting. I mean, the bottom line is, Remus, we do know that they are very much still in the uh, in the hunt for Barry Trotz. But at the same time, I think looking to fill out. I mean, they've got a number of other candidates that they're working on because you do have to have a Plan B right now. And what's interesting, you know, based on the reports we got from Marat, you just wonder how exactly Arneal fits in, depending on who is the next head coach. Yes, um, I, I would agree with that. And this is something we're going to be monitoring as we move forward. And uh, we'll have more uh, later on with Jeff Hamilton. You got it. All right, we're going to head over to a Germany in just a second and hook up with Mike McIntyre, who is really on location today for the Winnipeg Free Press. Uh, big shout out to our friends at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, who are dealing with the weather, but welcoming uh, guests back for the first time um, consistently in the last couple of years. If you're looking for a world-class fly-in fishing experience, just two hours from the city, Aikens Lake is the spot. We're going to be out there later on. We'll show you some pictures of some monsters pulling out of the lake, uh, but you can find out more information on how you can get out to Aikens at AikensLake.com or hit him up on Twitter at Pitt, our good friend Pitt Turan at Aikens Lake. Uh, Wallace & Wallace, great sponsors of ours, Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialist, serving the community since 1946. Uh, listen, if you need a fence, folks, if you need the security and protection of one or... If Winter's done a number on your old one, they've got you covered with vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood options. And if it's time to replace your garage door, Wallace & Wallace has Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. Give them a call at 452-2700. One of their experts will arrange a time to come out and give you a free estimate. You can also pop down to their showroom on Lawson Road off Keniston or visit them online at wallacefences.com. Summer's here, wedding season is back, and you might be realizing, oh, damn, I haven't worn this suit in a while. Hey, guys, everyone needs at least one suit that fits and looks great, and the experts at F Apparel can get you suited up in a custom suit made to your liking and specifications and styles starting at just $400. And hey, if you're in a wedding party, got a great deal where... The, way, the uh, wedding party will get 15% all of their suits, and uh, it won't just be one and done for the uh, for the wedding that you're involved in. 190 Smith Street, downtown. Find out more information online at F. That's EPHapparel.com. And, uh, of course, our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market continue to uh, power the community and provide great prices on Winnipeg's best selection of natural organic supplements, products, beauty products, and groceries 
delicious lunch options as well at the Vitamarket Grab and Go Deli with Vitamarket soup, salad, sandwiches, and more. And amazing options for your barbecue, including delicious lean bison steaks or chicken. They've also got a brand new fully shoppable website. If you can't make it in the store, you can buy online or schedule a delivery with Instacart. Vita Health Fresh Market, seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge and online at myvita.ca. All right, we've got lots to get to. We certainly want to talk Jets with Mike McIntyre, but also figuring out what the heck he's doing. He was in Vegas a couple days ago. Now he's in Germany. The well-traveled Mike McIntyre joining us. This might be our first live interview from Europe right now, Mike. What's up? Uh, gut, guten Tag. <laughs> Did I say that right? I, I have no idea. You tell me. Yeah, I'm not sure. I did. Google Translate tells me that means good day. It's actually good evening over here, of course. There's a uh, seven-hour time difference, so it's actually well into Tuesday evening as we chat uh, here. And I'm running on fumes, Huss. As you mentioned, uh, my wife and I, we were in Vegas for a week of vacation, got back around sa or Sunday at midnight, and uh, had a quick 12-hour pit stop at home to do some laundry, repack, see the kids, see the dogs, and uh, and then was back for a 16-hour uh, travel day yesterday that carried into today uh, through Toronto, through London. And I, you were reading the ad for Epp Apparel, Huss. Did they, did they ship to Hamburg asking <laughs> for a friend who lost his, whose luggage has been lost? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> this, is, this is literally all I have right now, my luggage. Uh, apparently didn't get on the plane from Toronto to London, England last night. So it was left behind in Toronto. Um, they're hoping it oh. will get to me by Wednesday, but, uh, Listen, Mike, this was meant to be, this was meant to be, you know, you dropped out a hundred pounds. Now you've been dropped into Europe without a suitcase. <laughs> it's time to go shopping. Euro Literally. Mike, Euro Mike is going to be in a full effect. I want some tight, skinny jeans. I want some shirt that we look, where the heck did he get that? A completely new look for Mike McIntyre right now in Germany. This is the green light you've been waiting for. Well, and the best part is, since the airline lost my luggage, it's all on their tab, right? I mean... Oh, let's go. <laughs> uh, and I'm staying right in the heart of, of Hamburg. This is my first ever time actually being in Europe. Um, so I'm right in the heart, and there's all kinds of fashionable shops. Uh, there, there's a uh, there's a Ralph Lauren just across the street here from me, Huss. I don't know. Maybe I could get some, uh, some Ralph Lauren threads. Um, I'm going to be spending the next several days on a golf course here in Hamburg. That's why I've come down here. So I need some clothes that are good for outdoors. And although the weather here is supposed to be kind of just blah, so I need something that'll keep me warm. But I'm hoping my luggage shows up. Um, by the way, this is the hat trick for a certain airline that has now lost my luggage three times in the, <laughs> in the last calendar year. I would throw my hat, Huss, Except they lost it. I don't have a hat to throw right now. A lot of support for you popping by the Lederhosen store immediately after this <laughs> uh, after this interview right now, Mike. Um, <clears throat> listen, we're going to talk hockey. Let's get more of your thoughts on what's happening with the Winnipeg Jets last night's result. But you mentioned you're in Germany. You're going to be spending at a golf course. 
this is awesome. I'm so fired up to both, you know, see the content that you're putting out and hear more about Manitoba's golf, uh, top golfer, Aaron Cockrell. We've had him on the program in the past, just a great young man. And what an interesting path he's taken over the last couple of years, now really establishing himself on the European tour and will make his PGA Tour debut next week at the RBC Canadian Open. Fill us in on uh, what you're doing and um, how how you ended up in Germany at this point following AC. Yeah, so we had talked. I, I'd been talking with Aaron for quite some time. And, of course, he had those two big breakthrough finishes earlier this year. He had a, a tie for second in uh, in Kenya, and he had a, uh, a tie for third uh, in Spain, uh, uh, a, a final round in which he actually made the turn, uh, the sole leader. And then he had one tough hole on the back nine on Sunday uh, that knocked him back to third. But th- these were life-changing, career-changing finishes for for Aaron. To put it in perspective, this is a guy who kind of slugged it out on the McKenzie Tour the you know up in Canada for four years. Uh, made $47,000 Canadian over his four years, 47 tournaments, $47,000. These two tournaments alone here in Europe on the, uh, it's now called the DP World Tour, it used to be called the European Tour. It's the number two tour in the world, of course, behind the PGA. Uh, Aaron Cockrell made over 320000 Canadian just from those two finishes alone. Uh, he surged into the top 300 uh, on the world rankings. That's the that's the best that a Manitoban, the highest ranked Manitoba golfer. You got to go all the way back to like the early 2000s in Glenn Nowchuk when he was a regular on the PGA. For the last time, a Manitoban was making these kind of waves uh, as a pro golfer. So we had talked about um, possibly you know following him around for a tournament over here, and the timing, as you mentioned, Huss, ended up being just perfect. Uh, because I'm actually following him for the next two weeks. I've come here to Hamburg. He's teeing it up in the Porsche European Open uh, here in Hamburg on Thursday. And then off he goes, uh, as do I, next Monday. We'll fly to Toronto. And uh, as you mentioned, Aaron Cockrell, he's got a sponsor's exemption to play in the Canadian Open. Uh, And so he will make his PGA Tour debut, and I'll be following him and uh, I wrote a column on kind of laying laying it out, teeing it up today. But the the whole idea of this is I'm kind of putting together a real extensive behind the scenes, you know, on the trail of feature that's going to run not this Saturday, but next Saturday in the Winnipeg Free Press. And just kind of look at mm-hmm. everything about Cockrell, uh, you know, his career, uh, what got him here and all the all the people who've helped him get to this stage. So, yeah, it's two big weeks in his career and certainly two. Uh, really interesting weeks in my career. This is the longest road trip all have been on in terms of distance. I'm really looking forward to it. There's a a great field here this week, Huffs, in Hamburg. Um, uh, let's see, Tommy Fleetwood is uh, is playing. Martin Keimer uh, is playing. There's a number. Paul Casey is is playing. Henrik Stenson is playing in this event. Uh, beautiful golf course. Um, there's a 700 yard par five on this course. 700 yards. It's one of the longest, <laughs> one of the longest golf courses in the world. Uh, almost 7,800 yards. So, looking forward to seeing the course. Uh, I'll head out there tomorrow when Aaron plays a practice round, and then of course St. George's next week and the Canadian Open, and all kinds of big names are going to be there. Scotty Scheffler, Rory McIlroy, Dustin Johnson, Justin Thomas. 
Corey Connors, and now Aaron Cockrell. You know, just before we get off golf, um, you know, you're, of course, there. Next week, I believe, is also the first event of the Saudi tour, the Live tour. And they it were is. supposed to announce the the guys that were making the, the move to the tour last week. It didn't happen. I think there's still a lot of speculation. I'd imagine that that will be a big topic in and around Hamburg this week because a number of those players, especially yes. the top Euros, have been yeah. rumored that they're going to take the money and essentially leave the PGA Tour as playing members and play in this. And that has been maybe the biggest story behind the scenes in the world of professional golf and a big part of the reason why we haven't heard a peep from Phil Mickelson in over two months. For sure. And of course, there was talk of, you know, them poaching some really big names in the, in the pro golf world. And a lot of guys have come out and distanced themselves from that. But uh, it will be interesting. And I know the Canadian Open, they've said that they don't feel like their uh, talent pool is going to be diluted. Uh, but certainly here in Europe, uh, you're bang on. That is a hot topic. And it's something uh, I plan to get into a little bit. I'm actually going tomorrow Henrik Stenson is doing a, a news conference. He's kind of the marquee name, of course, here uh, at this event. And uh, I'm sure he will be asked and, and have some things to say about it. But yeah, it, what that means, Huss, potentially, is that for guys like Aaron Cockrell, who, who started this year without full status on the European Tour, he didn't crack the top 100 last year. So um, he didn't have the full, the full ride, if you will. Now, he's earned his way now into some additional tournaments because of what he's done early in this season. But there's a number of guys who every week, they kind of hold their breath uh, to see what the field is, to see if they can get in. There's no Monday qualifying going on over here in Europe. There's a, there's a whole extensive list. I think there's like 21 different exemption categories. And, you know, as the week sort of goes on, you see guys and the bar kind of gets lowered and guys get in. So I'm sure there are guys on that list who would have no issue if a <laughs> bunch of bigger names here decide to go take the money uh, out in Saudi Arabia. No doubt. Well, hey, fingers crossed that Aaron has a great week and gives you all sorts of neat things to talk about on the European yeah. tour. And I can't imagine a better accompaniment for your big feature in two Saturdays than to have him make the cut at the RBC Canadian Open and be playing on the weekend. And of course, we'll be all over that here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Let's get to some Jets talk right now, Mike. And uh, hey, I, I said it earlier on the program, but you know, a mea culpa and really a tip of the cap to the general manager of the Winnipeg Jets, Kevin Sheveldayoff. We talked for so long about what the price for Andrew Kopp would be. I said, hey, they're just simply not getting a first-round pick for him. <laughs> and, well, they didn't, but, you know, some cr a creative condition with the New York Rangers. And, lo and behold, they win last night thanks to Andrew Kopp and Jacob <laughs> Truba. And uh, as Mike uh, Michael Remus said earlier, when uh, – uh, Chris Drury was rolling through the uh, through the room after he said, "Hey, sorry about that first round pick. I'm sure they're more than happy to do it." But right. uh, you know, overall, um, you know, a great result for the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, there's not really much you can gain usually in the playoffs when you've already been eliminated. Uh, but that second first rounder adds a bit more intrigue and certainly more options for the general manager with potential moves on the table. Um, you know, going into Montreal for sure. And this is a draft that's regarded as you know, maybe the, the high end isn't as elite as we've seen in other years, but there's certainly a belief that this is a deep draft and and you're going to get a very good prospect. Now, the Jets have their own pick, of course, at 14, and now they're going to get the uh, the New York pick that's going to be either, I guess, 29, 30, 
31 or 32, depending on what the Rangers ultimately do here uh, in the East final and, and whether they go any further. So it's a very late round first pick, but it's a first round pick. And, you know, to have two of them, uh, the Jets, of course, had a couple straight years where, you know, they, the, things were pretty lean because they they mortgaged, uh, you know, some of the draft leverage they had uh, to try and win now. And, you know, they took a big swing, obviously, with Paul Stasny at the time and Kevin Hayes. Um, they ultimately, of course, got that that Hayes first rounder back uh, in the Truba trade. But, you know, it does create the possibility that does Kevin Shovel Day off potentially look at either packaging something up? Um, you know, I suspect there will be teams calling not only about the Jets 14th overall pick, but now potentially that that very late first rounder. And, you know, we know the Jets believe that they they have a window here and that they're not in a rebuild. They're going to be in a retool. Uh, two first round picks are great, but they're not stepping in, you know, 14 and either 29, 30, 31, 32. Neither of those picks are stepping in and making a difference this fall or probably the next fall or even maybe the next fall. So if you're Kevin Chevaldeoff, depending how the rest of your summer plays out, uh, or at least between now and, and early July, like, do you, you potentially drop both those picks? Do you package them together? Do you maybe look to do something else? Again, we go back to Mark Shifley and what may happen there. Um, we talk about a, a surplus potentially of defensemen and maybe moving a veteran guy with a bigger ticket uh, to both help in other areas and also maybe clear some room for a younger guy, a Johnny Kovacevic, a Dylan Sandberg, a Billy Heinola. Uh, and again, th this just gives all kinds of extra flexibility and good on, as you say, good on Kevin Shoveldayoff and hey, good on Andrew Kopp. Uh, he looks to be having a blast, and he's not just a bit player on this Rangers <laughs> team. Far from he's, it. He's he's been one of their one of their best players, and he, you know, as you mentioned, Jacob Truba is having a, a monster playoff as well, making all kinds of enemies along the way, and and you know, knocking guys out of lineups uh, with big hits. But yeah, Andrew Kopp, you know, he's got a dozen points already uh, in these playoffs. Uh, he's pretty much been a point per game player. Uh, since joining the Rangers. He has now, been. He's 18 right, and, we, and 16 in the regular season, and he's 12 and 14 in the playoffs. Incredible. So, you know, we don't know, of course, where Andrew Kopp lands as a UFA. I mean, I would suspect the Rangers, given what he's helped them do, would be very interested in retaining his services. Uh, but, of course, when the Jets made the trade, you know, the idea was that they're likely not able to re-sign Andrew Kopp so you're trying to salvage something and you know Morgan Barron who certainly impressed in his limited duty with the Jets absolutely impressed down on the farm uh, having watched all the Manitoba Moose playoff games Morgan Barron was an absolute beast and and looked like a guy who didn't even belong in the AHL I suspect he's probably carving out a regular, or at least semi-regular role for the Jets next year. So you get a serviceable, younger, cheaper player. And now you get two draft picks. You get a second rounder and now a first rounder. And time will tell, you know, what those players end up being. But those are a couple big lottery tickets uh, for, again, a guy that we can debate till we're blue in the face about whether the Jets should have found a way to re-sign him. The fact is they weren't going to be re-signing him now at this stage 
And so you cut your losses. And I think Kevin Cheveldayoff did a pretty good job. And hey, Andrew Kopp's making out pretty well himself. Well, you know, and Dan Rosen was on yesterday with us teeing up game seven, who of course covers the New York Rangers very closely. And he said, really, it's going to probably come down to a choice for the New York Rangers between Ryan Strom and Andrew Kopp. And with what Kopp has done since it's been there, it's like, let me ask you this, because I had a friendly wager with a friend of mine that was a big cop guy that said that he, we, we were going back and forth about what he was going to get on the UFA market. And again, this is maybe a difficult thing that, because it depends on how long the contract is. If someone's signing him to seven or eight years, obviously the AAV is lower, like around like Blake Coleman. Yeah. But I mean, I think that this number is for sure starting with five and with what he's shown under the bright lights of Broadway, especially in these playoffs. I mean, we had set kind of a fun over under at five and a half, and I was heavily on the under. The Andrew Cox, uh, Andrew Cox stock over the course of this last two months has gone like this, Mike. And um, yeah. man, you, we've talked a lot about this young man betting on himself a number of times and, you know, really not by choice last year. Holy smokes, has he made the most of it. Yeah, he really has. And I'm sure there are other players uh, who, who might look at the Andrew Kopp situation and want to try and follow a similar path to, you know, and not everybody would necessarily make the most of that situation. So you have to give credit to the player and a guy that we, you know, we came to know Andrew Kopp, of course, very well in this market, you know, a real honest, open, very transparent guy um, who kind of wears his heart on his sleeve, who can forget you know, that when he went to arbitration the first time and, you know, openly talking about kind of the snub that he felt and wanting to prove, you know, critics, and that would have included his own organization to a degree uh, wrong. And so, you know, Andrew Kopp is obviously a very confident young man and a very talented young man. And yeah, he um, he certainly paved the way for a big payday. Now, I will say this, um, you know, the one caveat I suspect teams might have uh, if they're looking at as you mentioned a seven you know big time big number uh we know andrew cop has that concussion history right and there was that big scare you know not too long before the trade deadline here i think it was in st louis where he got rocked and you know he he was back in the lineup fairly quickly after that but we know and andrew cop has been quite blunt about his sort of troubling concussion history and I guess that would always be in the back of my mind if I'm a GM, Huss. That's the one worry, right? That, you know, is he a bad hit or two away from something really serious? And, you know, again, you gotta, you can only deal with the circumstances in front of you. And right now, Andrew Kopp is, is the ultimate sort of versatile guy. You know, you don't find a lot of players in this league who can be on your top power play unit, your top PK unit, who could play a shutdown role, but who you would also probably want out there in the final minute of a game when you're down a goal and you need some offense, a guy who can win face-offs, a guy who can play wing, a guy that makes everyone around him better. Um, you know, Andrew Kopp checks off really all the boxes of what you want in a hockey player. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate, of course, that that he's not here kind of beyond uh, his time here in Winnipeg, but... Uh, as you say, the Jets uh, probably made out pretty well in the long run for what they got in return. No doubt about it. Hey, big shout out to everyone in the chat. Faith Thomas, welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk all the way from California. Great to have you with us, Faith. Um, 
here kind of focusing more on the Winnipeg Jets. But I want to take this back to the Rangers for a minute, Mike. And I'm not sure if you heard me talking mm -hmm. to Remus before we brought it on. Um, but we've talked a lot about the leadership group of the Winnipeg Jets and, you know, the tweaks or changes that they might right. like to say. And, you know, a big part of that has been, you know, well, where's Blake Wheeler going to be next year? I mean, assuming that he's on the team, is it status quo? Is he still the captain? Do they want to make some changes? And I could not help but look at the Rangers. Um, who played without a captain all year long. And it would have been so easy for Gerard Gallant to look at a long-term Ranger like Chris Kreider, who right. committed to the club, eight-year deal, slap it on him and go forward. But it really did seem like they created the environment where you had A's on a number of key younger players that all sort of took a piece of the captaincy and played with that both on and off the ice. And we've seen the results. I'll be honest, I didn't spend any time thinking about this until last night, but we got talking about it during the game, and I've been thinking about it last night, and I'm here to tell you right now that I think that there should be some consideration of doing something like that, and it's not yeah. a matter of ripping the C off to give it another guy, but I mean that the thought process behind it would be open up and allow some of these young players that showed a lot of leadership last year during some tough times to come and get a piece of it. I think there could be some real benefits for Blake Wheeler it's himself as well if he sort of buys into that. But for a team that I think needs to get more and feel more input from the entire group, um, I think that New York Ranger team with the way that they handled the captaincy in that leadership group this year might be an interesting blueprint to consider for a Winnipeg Jet team next year. What do you think? Yeah, and especially when you have a lot of, you know, powerful younger voices in that room that I don't want to say they're being silenced, but they maybe don't have the authority that wearing a letter brings. And, and yet we saw example after example of that, whether it was Nikolai Ehlers, Kyle Connor. Pierre-Luc Dubois. By the way, Huss, did you see Pierre-Luc Dubois after the final game the other day? Oh, yeah. I mean, first of all, Pierre-Luc Dubois was a was a beast in, in the Worlds and not surprised. He was a beast, you know, most games with the Jets this year. And he continues to sound, at least in, to my ears, he sounds like a future captain. I don't know if he'll ever wear the C, you know, here in Winnipeg. And obviously, first step is getting his name on a long-term extension. And I know the Jets, that's something that they would really like to get done. Um, but, you know, he carries himself on the ice and certainly off the ice like a leader. He, You watch him play and you hear him speak and you can see why, you know, guys would, would want to go to battle with Pierre-Luc Dubois kind of in their camp, right? So I, I like where you're going with, with what you've said because I do think there are a number of players here um, you know, waiting for that opportunity. And the older guard, if you will, Wheeler and certainly Mark Shifley, um, you know, who've, who the one alternate in Shifley, Josh Morrissey, of course, alternate as well. He hasn't worn the letter quite as long. Um, I, I think Josh Morrissey absolutely needs to remain a part of the leadership group. But it'll be interesting when they do bring the new coaching regime in, uh, if a leadership review. And I would think that would be part, just a natural part of, uh, of an evaluation that a new coach would do. And it would seem to me, Huss, if you were going to pull the trigger on that kind of, of change, that would be the time you do it, right? You It wouldn't be seen so much as dismissive of the guys that were already here. It would just be seen as 
as, as you say, opening the room up, expanding some duties. Um, and, and I think you could do it in a, in a diplomatic way that at least publicly noses maybe wouldn't be out of joint. Uh, if the same way, if, if Paul Maurice had, you know, rip the sea off uh, Blake Wheeler's jersey or something like that. Yeah, it, it, I mean, certainly the time is there to have everything on the table. And again, I mean, Wheeler's such a key person in all of this because if he is on the team going forward, which I assume that he will be, right? I mean, you don't want to create a situation that, you know, he feels that he's being shunned. I mean, you're going to need to have him be a big part of this group. But at the same point, I mean, I've thought that in a lot of ways for a good portion of this season, well, really dating back a while, I mean, Adam Lowry has sort of been like a captain to many yep. of the younger yep. players. And the bottom line is, listen, I know Paul Maurice, he identified the guy that he wanted to be the one that was setting the tone and setting the culture for the team going forward. And that was the way that he operated. And it was here, this is your team, this is your room, I'll be in the coach's office. It didn't work, Mike. And mm -hmm. I really do think that there is... Um, a number of arguments that, you know, would indicate that maybe they should handle things a little differently. And I think it'll be very important for Blake to kind of realize, and I think we've heard from him, especially at the end of the season, kind of, you know, reading the room a little bit and, yeah. and, and understanding that. And if there was a buy-in from him, I think that you could still get a ton out of Blake Wheeler, all the things that, you know, he does bring to the organization and brought to the captaincy, the positives I think could still be there. But I think it's it is imperative for the Winnipeg Jets to, you know, expand that group with some players that show that they belonged in it, empower them to be part of the change that we heard so many of them talking about it. And um, I really think that as much as we talk about what happens on the ice, you know, if you had, you know, three guys that were wearing the, the A's on the road and three guys that were wearing the A's at home and you had right. a bigger group like that, I think there could be some serious benefits. And um, I imagine that that'll be a topic that we get to first and foremost once we get a new head coach and see where that goes. Are you hearing anything on that right now? What's the, uh, we, we're doing multiple trots watch updates right. throughout it. Uh, you got anything for us on uh, on that uh, on that front? And and maybe just comments on Scott Arneal, who's reportedly yeah. close to being, I believe Marat referred to him as a virtual walk to be, I guess, an associate coach with the club. So as you mentioned, I was in Las Vegas last week. Uh, my wife and I just on a on a vacation. We had a great time, and I was I, I, I was keeping my eyes peeled for Barry Trotz on the Strip, <laughs> us, uh, because of course we know uh, you know the Golden Knights are in in the market for a new coach as well. And I know there's that feeling in Winnipeg. There, there's just that feeling that Vegas always comes along and takes everything that Winnipeg wants, right? Like. <laughs> You know, Mark Stone was a perfect example. A lot of folks thought the Jets were going to get Mark Stone, and he ends up in Vegas. And, of course, Mark Stone being a, a Manitoban, now you've got Barry Trotz, and there's this feeling, oh, my God, they're going to go do it again, aren't they? Um, so we believe that Barry Trotz has, has had conversations with Vegas and obviously a number of teams. I did not see him uh, in any Vegas casinos over the, uh, over the last week, Huss, nor do I see him here in Hamburg. Uh, Germany. So uh, Trotz watch, at least from my my eyes, uh, he, he's probably uh, a little a little distance away from where I am these days. That being said, I mean, I think we knew that Barry Trotz was very much in the driver's seat here. And, you know, this was going to move at the pace that Barry Trotz wants it to move. Uh, and we know that there's a number of things he has to consider, right? He has a, a son with with special needs. He's got an elderly father. 
um, you know, he, he's he's a guy who can kind of pick his spot and also take his time. Does that mean that other teams potentially grow impatient and, you know, they fear that they're going to be, you know, the musical chair game, they're going to be left when the music stops without a chair? Perhaps. I don't think the Jets are going to panic and just, you know, say at, at, at a certain point here, all right, Barry, uh, if you can't make up your mind, we're moving on. The, the, the Arneal thing is interesting. So Scott Arneal was a guy I wrote about uh, this long time ago when I just rattled off some potential candidates. And Scott Arneal was certainly on that list, not because I had any inside intel that Arneal had a, had a track on the job, but just because I know True North quite well, having covered this team for a long time, I know how they work. I know how they uh, think to a degree. And I suspected that Neil was a guy who was going to be uh, of, of great interest to them, um, you know, based on his, his track record, his connections to this city and this organization. So what is interesting is that tr- traditionally, of course, you hire the head coach first and that coach would round out you know, his coaching staff, um, in a way, it feels potentially putting the cart before the horse. uh, If you have sort of one piece of a new staff kind of waiting in the wings here, uh, you better hope that the guy that you want uh, is, is, is okay with that. And I suspect that, you know, maybe some of those conversations have already happened, but it is a, it is an interesting situation for sure. Um, But ultimately it's one that Barry Trotz is going to, uh, to decide how quickly or not this whole process moves. Uh, and I guess the Jets say, uh, you know, they'll continue to do their due diligence. I know my colleague, Jeff Hamilton, who you'll be talking to here shortly, uh, he reported last week about sort of an advisory committee that the team has struck at, you know, they're clearly leaving no stone unturned. Uh, and that's kind of the true North way, right? They're very thorough. Um, they're also very quiet uh, in how they go about their business. And, I guess not a huge surprise that, that not a whole lot has leaked out uh, on the on the trots watch and other fronts. But yeah, the Arneal connection is is interesting, but ultimately not that surprising. He's a guy that I suspect the Jets have, have had great interest in, not just this year. They probably had great interest in him for a long time. And the idea of maybe bringing in him as an associate and whether it's grooming him or or having him assist in grooming others, mentoring, that sort of thing. I mean, almost a succession plan, uh, especially if Barry Trotz, as we understand, has these aspirations that go beyond just behind the bench. Um, you know, we don't know what his timeline is potentially for coaching, um, but it does create the interesting sort of succession, you know, mentoring kind of environment that I suspect could be a real healthy one around here. No doubt about it. All right, Mike, great chat as always. Thanks for doing this. Have a good time. Say hi to Aaron and wish him luck in the uh, the yeah. event in Hamburg. Um, get on out there. I want to see a picture on your Twitter feed later on with you looking like one of the cast of Sprockets from SNL after <laughs> after buying some of the, the height of current German fashion right now. Get on out and get after it. Just like the food here in Germany, uh, I think if I were to throw the lederhosen on, I would look the worst. Us. <laughs> Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Nicely done. Hey, we'll look all forward right. to uh, all of your writing in the Winnipeg Free Press and uh, chat with you next week. Getting ready for the RBC Canadian Open and uh, more on Aaron Cockrell. Great stuff. Right on, Huss. Enjoy the week. Take care. Appreciate it. There's Mike McIntyre of the Winnipeg Free Press. We are going to get to Jeff Hamilton in just a moment, but a quick water break, if you will. 
on our water breaks for the experts in all things water, Culligan Water, celebrating over 65 years, locally owned, serving Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba. Culligan's got it all, whatever you need for the home, cottage, or office, water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, and drinking water systems, and citywide water delivery services. You can pop down and see them at 1200 Sergeant Avenue. Give them a call at 694-5180 or hit them up online at drinkculligan.com. Everyone needs batteries. The sun will eventually shine. We will be taking advantage of uh, the brief summer to uh, do all those great things we love outside. And you can't do it without powering whatever you're using. And that's why Manitoba Battery is now open until 8 p.m. with extended spring and summer hours. And of course, Manitoba Battery is where you're going to save time and save money as opposed to going to the big box stores on all of your battery needs. Whether it's for a hot rod you're working on, a golf cart, a boat, skidoo, or a, a, a sea-doo, I should say, uh, Manitoba Battery's got you covered. You can give them a call at 783-8787. They can get it all ready for you so you're in and out real quick up until 8 p.m. Again, they're at 1026 Logan Avenue and online at manitobabattery.com. Uh, Royal Sports is certainly ready for summer. So many great activities to get into if you haven't tried it before. Tennis, disc golf, and more, not to mention the expanded soccer section, softball, baseball, fitness, shoes, and an expanded bike section that grows by the week. Whatever you need to dominate summer, Royal Sports is there for you, not to mention the best selection of licensed merchandise anywhere. It's all over at Royal Sports, 750 Pembina Highway. You can see the big expanded bomber section as well for the start of the season. And check them out on Instagram at Royal Sports Pembina for their latest merchandise drops and all their big deals. Well, we will be talking golf later on this week. It's the Memorial. Dustin Nielsen and I hit our Memorial picks today on the Lock Shop. No video of the Lock Shop today, so make sure to get it wherever you get your podcast. Just put in Lock Shop. It's good to go. Hitting the conference finals in the uh, National Hockey League, the uh, NBA's finals, and of course the Memorial this week. And, and whenever we talk golf on this program, we'll be talking a lot next week for the RBC Canadian Open. We do it for our friends at Breezy Bend Country Club. If you're looking for a great long-term home for you and your family, give Corey Johnson a call over at Breezy. Get on that waiting list, and we'll hope to see you out at the course next year. All right. Well, from one world-class international city to another, we go from Hamburg, Germany, to Regina, Saskatchewan, and welcome in Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg Free Press, who is in quite a regal setting there in downtown Regina. Look at that chandelier hammer. But I, I do love, I do love visiting. I do love my colleagues here. But uh, you know, it's not quite, uh, not quite the European tour that my colleague Mike is on right now. That's for no sure. doubt, exciting trip for Mike, and obviously for exciting sure. stories with what Aaron Cockrell is doing. Listen, yeah, we'll get awesome. to the bombers. We'll get to the bombers uh, and tonight's game against the Riders in a minute. Um, but let's get to some of these Jets topics we're talking about. First things first. Nice result last night for the Winnipeg Jets, and a bit of a feather in the cap of Kevin Sheveldayoff to somehow create a deal where there was the potential of getting a first-round pick. And now the Jets have, you know, a little bit more ammo, at least, going into that first round in Montreal with a 14th pick and a pick that will end up somewhere between 29 and 32. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, I'm thinking to yourself, like, great work, Jets. I was like, well, what did I miss? I've been, I feel like I've been following a bunch of bunch of things. You should be great job, Andrew Kopp and company. Uh, that, that should be where the credit lies. I mean, certainly credit goes to... You know the Jets for adding that into their 
you know, into their trade proposal, which now, as you mentioned, Huss turns from a second into a late first. And um, those picks matter. I mean, uh, we've seen the Jets hit well on, on you know, mid-round to later-round selections. Um, they're just going to have their work, uh, you know, out for them. And who knows, maybe they can package two two picks and, and move up even closer to, you know, that top spot. But, uh, yeah, just like you said, plenty of options, certainly – um, you know, a first is better than a second. There's no, uh, there's no real big reporting in that from me, but, uh, uh, clearly, you know, the Rangers are on this, what appears to be a magical run and, um, hopefully they'll play up, they'll play against a goalie who's a number one eventually. And, uh, we'll see how they, they we'll see how they do well. Yeah. Listen, I, uh, the, uh, the third stringers that they hit in the first and second too. round, <laughs> no, I don't listen, yeah. hey. Uh, you know, there's Vasilevsky and there's everybody else. Although I'll say the guy that they've got in net is certainly amongst the the, the four remaining goalies. The next guy I'd want in net after Andre Vasilevsky, um, even with home ice though for this series of the New York Rangers on account of mm-hmm. one more win in the regular season. I think Tampa, a pretty, pretty strong favorite. And of course, we've got the game going up tonight, uh, Colorado and Edmonton, which we'll maybe talk about a little later on. Um, obviously, Trots Watch updates are always welcome here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. You joined us last week after you had the uh, report, Jeff, that the uh, Jets had the advisory committee where they, they'd met with Barry Trotz. Um, what are you hearing right now? It seems pretty quiet. I know Elliot Friedman has said, you know, this is not surprising. I mean, there was a number of teams that wanted to talk to Barry Trotz. He'd be a fool not to hear them out. Um, where are we at right now, and what is this doing to the Winnipeg Jets, who obviously have to have some sort of a plan B if they don't get the guy that they've targeted as their number one choice? Yeah, well, first off, that's a hilarious uh, Trots Watch uh, situation. Remo's dominating yeah, these days. Absolutely, yeah, no doubt. Uh, he's playing chess. The rest of us are playing checkers. Anyway, I, uh, you know what? It, it, it is quiet. Um you know, quiet is not a bad thing. We all know Barry Trotz remains at the Jets' top of their, you know, wanting list. Uh, you know, that's that's obvious. We know that that Barry Trotz has, has started to interview with with other teams. I I had heard that, uh, you know, I'd heard prior to the the buzz about Philadelphia that he wasn't all that hot on going to Philadelphia. And I'm actually hearing more on that, that he's not uh, that, that Philadelphia, I'm not necessarily saying are completely out of it, but I'm hearing he's, he's not leaning that direction. Now, um, you know, you say something like that and then you, the, you know, the follow up question is, well, where is he leaning? Um, you know, I think for him, you know, it really is an opportunity to, you know, really look at his options, right? I think the fact that he hasn't come back to Winnipeg and, and, and given a yes or no, um, again, is a good thing. I think he's still mulling that over. I really do think, you know, as I'm, you know, as I reported before and other people have reported, you know, as well is that, you know, there obviously is a management interest in there, you know, a, a, you know, whether you want to call it job security, whether you want to call it an opportunity to climb the corporate ladder and, and, you know, peek into the future, whether you want, and I, the way I called it was a long-term solution, right? I mean, if you're looking to have Barry Trotz, you know, evolve into, you know, position within your management, you're viewing him more than what I think a lot of teams not only are viewing him being the short term, whether that's, you know, whatever, one, two, three, four years of, of coaching, um, or what they can offer him, right? I mean, I think that's the big thing for Winnipeg is that they can, are one of the few teams who can offer him that kind of, you know, want, um, you know, you know, which we know is high, high on his priority list. Now, what are other teams interested in doing? What could, you know, Kelly McCrimmon, who has a close relationship with Barry Trotz, offer him in Vegas? Probably a fair amount, but he's probably not going to offer him his own job. Um, You know, how, you know, what, what are Kelly's, 
hopes down the line within the organization. Again, getting in a little bit too much into that, but you know, maybe Vegas is an organization that can offer him something more than just a head coaching job, despite all the, you know, what we know about that organization and how quickly kind of it gets rid of reputable coaches. So there is that I have been hearing more and more buzz about something potentially happening in Seattle. And I think that is, might be the one thing that's hanging, holding this all up that, Seattle, I'm told, is supposed to, you know, put, you know, is, is mulling over some big decisions potentially this week. Now, could something, you know, could something happen there that would create an opportunity for someone like Barry Trotz to take over? You know, maybe not a, you know, maybe not immediately go into a, a managing role, but maybe an opportunity to be like an assistant GM and a head coach. Who knows? How appealing would that be to him? Is that something he's waiting for? Is he waiting for other teams? to kind of do their best, right? I think that's where we're at. Now, again, I mentioned, you know, no news is kind of good news for the Jets, but the reality for Winnipeg is the clock is ticking. They need to do a lot of things in a small amount of time. And I think that's where things get interesting here is that True North has Barry Trotz at the top of their list, but they're being advised that they need to move on, you know, explore other options. Because I think the fear in that camp is, is that if you hold on to, you know, waiting for what Barry Trotz may or may not do, and you don't get, you know, he isn't the guy, you know, isn't the team that they that he chooses, that you might get left with some of your lesser options on your list. And so I think that really is the dilemma with Winnipeg right now is is how how much longer can can we hold off? Can we wait for an answer from Barry Trotz before we start seriously going down, you know, other avenues? And if we seriously go down other avenues, how much longer do we want to want to wait on on guys like a Kirk Muller, who I've been kind of reporting has been, you know, a, a big potential piece of of the interviewing process? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm hearing buzz that he, you know, he's getting, you know, he's getting close to getting an interview. I don't have an exact date or anything on that, but I think they're. I think if you're looking at a guy, you know, I think a lot of people are looking at guys like Kirk Muller. I know Derek Lalonde hasn't been brought up a lot. I mean, he's obviously still in the playoffs right now with Tampa Bay, but if you want to be in the mix with those guys and you wanted them to strongly be considered, you kind of need to make a decision. So I think that's where, where they stand. Now, I think again, the fear is, is that, you know, and it's nothing against them, but the fear is that if you, if you wait too long and you don't get Barry Trotz and the other candidates you have on your list, move on and sign with, you know, sign with other teams, you're now forced to take on, you know, again, like a Pascal Vincent or a, you know, Scott Arneal or a Mark Morrison, you know, someone in-house, someone that the Jets have that relationship with. And I think they might be fine with that. You know, I think that they might be fine with that if we don't get Barry Trotz, we're happy with these other guys who, I'm again, not trying to say they're lesser options um, in that they're not quality coaches, but they're lesser options in experience and, you know, in a couple different capacities from a playing perspective, from a, you know, from a, from a coaching perspective in a lot of ways. Right. So um, I think what we, what Winnipeg finds themselves in is just kind of waiting for Barry Trotz while at the same time, kind of getting tugged at a couple different directions to say, look, I know Barry Trotz is the guy you want. He might not be the guy you get. And therefore you need to strongly be considering who you, you know, who, who else might be a plan B right now. Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty clear who the number one guy on the list is. It's less clear who number two is, but the bottom line is you need to continue doing your due diligence in the case that number one doesn't happen. But at the same time, I'm sure that we want to talk about patience. This organization has always had some patience. And uh, if you have to be a little extra patient to make sure that you give yourself the best chance of getting your number one choice, 
I imagine that they will do that. The one thing that can be said is that Barry Trotz is almost holding up the entire coaching searches around the league right now, Jeff, and that it's not like teams have just decided they're out and have gone and made their decision. Um, you know, we've pretty much been at a standstill right now as Barry's picked up his phone or met or talked to the other teams that are interested in, as well as the uh, maybe less notable candidates for all the jobs in the in the league right now. Well, absolutely. I mean, I, I but I also think it's not all that, you know, I don't think it's, it's you know, he, yes. Could you say Barry Trotz is holding up? The market, absolutely. I mean, he is a num- he is clearly a number one option <laughs> on a lot of teams' lists. So he is, you know, people are waiting for him. I don't think that I think there's going to be other teams that do that interview process, and they just hope that somewhere in that line of interviewing people, Barry Trotz is eventually going to make his decision so that they're not done. You know, so they can almost do some gamesmanship here, right? When they interview people, they can kind of make those people feel like they're their number one option. You know, and then if you know if Barry Trotz is decides to go with that team and they, he, they can go, okay, well, you know, we have our guy. Thanks. You know, thanks to all the other applicants. We got our guy, yada, yada, or they can move on. But you also got to remember too, like, you know, L, you know, candidates like Kirk Muller is going to have other options outside of Winnipeg and they just got eliminated from the playoffs. So, you know, th- so how it works in these situations is teams have employees or they have people at their advisory groups that kind of, they throw in, Um, you know, whether it's a text message, whether it's a whatever, who's got a close relationship with this guy, who's got a close relationship with this guy so they can garner interest. So it's, it's sometimes as simple of simple as you like the jets (laughs) and you might get a text. Mm. Yes. (laughs) And then you don't hear from them. You know what I mean? For, for, for weeks until they're eliminated. And then you can start creating your interview list. So all of those working, moving pieces are happening. You know what I mean? They're happening not just in Winnipeg with all the other teams. So as much as Barry Trotz might be, you know, holding things up, there is a lot of, you know, there is a lot of movement in other areas so that teams aren't caught kind of with their pants down, that they, that they can they can transition on the fly. They can, you know, they can start doing their interview process. They can see who's interested because, you know, even some of the names that, that people bring up, sometimes it's just the list that the Jets have or the, you know, that team has. Nobody knows if the, you know, if, if necessarily that interest has been reciprocated. And and that's how names, you know, there might be a name that no one would have imagined them be, you know, being interested in them. All of a sudden they're contacting them. So there's a lot of fluid moving pieces that come with a with a with a coach's, you know, a hiring search. And so, you know, at this point, it's just, you know, as much as it's kind of like, okay, the clock is ticking here, it's not really, we're kind of moving along the way we should be. The reality is, though, is we're going to need some answers here in the next couple weeks, if not week. Mitch, yes. <laughs> Barry Trotz is pulling a LeBron. I will be taking my talents too. We could have a decision. The ratings would be high in Winnipeg. I'll tell you that much. I- don't really think that's Barry Trotson's style, though, to go that way. Yeah. With um, the press conferences at Portage in Maine, that, that would be a special yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> that would be well. I mean, listen, LeBron literally did do the decision in Akron, Ohio, where he's from, just down the road from Cleveland, where he was leaving to announce he was taking his talents to Miami. So wouldn't be the first time that the decision has ripped the hearts yeah. out of the fans closest yeah. a, to where a, I was. A, a, a dolphin, a dolphin <laughs> news bro- uh, breaking about going to Vegas. Wouldn't that be an exactly. all-timer? Yeah. Um, hey, I want to hit you with something that Remo and I were talking about earlier and I just brought up with Mike. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about the 
leadership situation for the Winnipeg mm-hmm. Jets. And, you know, many people have different opinions on how they should go forward. And I think the status of Blake Wheeler right now is really interesting. I mean, first of all, what happens to Mark Shifley? Um, and, you know, does it make sense to continue on? Um, you know, if Shifley's not here, just adding another guy taking its spot in that three-person quote-unquote leadership group with the letters or maybe going a different route. And I hadn't really thought a lot about this until last night, um, paying attention to the Rangers and sort of looking back at their season and seeing the performances they've had from so many players that have had a piece of what they've done this year and realized that Gerard Gallant did not, the easiest thing would have been is to slap the C on Chris Kreider, an extended, you know, veteran guy that's had, you know, great years in New York that just signed an eight-year deal. And okay, you're the veteran guy. Here's the captaincy. They didn't do that. And, you know, you've got A's on the likes of Truba and Fox and Panarin and Kreider. Um, and it really does seem from the outside like that situation for Gallant in his first year was able to A, evaluate the guys that maybe are best fit for that position, but also to make a number of very important key players on that team feel like they have a piece of the captaincy, if you will. And Man, it got me thinking about the Winnipeg Jets situation going into next year. Now, this is going to have a lot to depend on who's the head coach, what their philosophy is on that sort of thing. But I got to tell you, Jeff, and I'm interested in your perspective on it. I mean, does the thought of not necessarily having Blake Wheeler, like you're not removing the captaincy to take it from Blake and give it to Adam Lowry or give it to Josh Morrissey, but essentially clean slate, expand that group. And some of the young guys like a Dubois or an Ehlers or a Connor that I think showed that they were, you know, certainly publicly becoming more leader type players, um, getting a little bit more of a piece of it and expanding that group without a captain for next season. What do you think about that for Winnipeg? Oh boy. Um, I think that's a loaded, loaded question. And there's a lot of different things I think that need to be figured out before Get the gunpowder Estab- out there. Establishing that, that 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 could even exist. Well, first off, I think it could be something that, that teams do moving forward. You know, I think it's something that maybe as new coaches come into teams that you don't just, you know, you don't just kind of hand the keys to a certain guy. I mean, obviously teams will have established leaders that you don't want to touch at all. They don't have issues with, with leadership or, you know, get, you know, with players needing to feel a piece of it or whatever that. But if you're going, if, if you're, if you're starting here in Winnipeg, um, Let's start with, first of all, stripping the C from Blake Wheeler. Um, yeah, I just can't imagine <laughs> that is something that that 26 is going to be cool with. I can't imagine that after all the years, uh, you know, he's put into this organization, you know, feeling like the guy who's, you know, kind of driven the bus here to, to, to be demoted. Um, you know, would he get an A in this situation? I mean, could you, you know, I just, I honestly cannot picture... Blake Wheeler being cool with it. Now, I will say this, that Blake Wheeler has said in the past that he'll do whatever is best for the team. This would be a massive test on that statement. So for him to do that, I mean, he'd have to take a lesser role leadership-wise. Now, Blake Wheeler isn't the guy in the dressing room, you know, going to each player and, you know, hitting them on the shoulder pads and, and getting them to wake up or doing these, you know, crazy speeches at intermission. In fact, he's not like that at all. Um, so I wonder what stripping the C would actually do. I think it, first of all, I think it would do wonders for this organization. Um, I think it would do wonders for Blake Wheeler. I've been saying this for years. I've wanted to ask this question to Paul Maurice and just either never really had the right time or whatever. I felt like, cause it's kind of insulting, right? It's like asking a player, 
if they feel like they're, you know, soft or weak or something like that. It's like, I, I felt that, that the C on, on Blake Wheeler's chest has been a burden for years. It's been a burden in. Sometimes he's in, worn that thing like an anvil. I mean, I know he's absolutely, very proud. Ab, ab, absolutely. It, total, exactly. That's my exact point is that at one point, does, does it become too much of a burden for him? Not just maybe the team here, but for him personally. So again, I'm not saying it's impossible, but I imagine it would take some very, very interesting, you know, heart-to-heart conversations within the organization with him to come to this reality that he's willing to do it. And then how do you sell it? You know, how do you sell it to the organization? How do you sell it to the team? And then on top of that, so moving on from Blake Wheeler, what about Mark Shifley? He currently wears an A. Should he keep one? I mean, we saw this guy well, give up listen, on his team down I, the stretch I say, last I say season. all of this in the, pre, in, in the, no, in the I, thing. I assume that he's gone. I mean, okay, well, I, here's the other thing. I wouldn't be assuming Mark Shifley's gone anymore. I don't think that's as slam dunk as, you know, a, you know, a Darren Drager tweet was three weeks ago. I think that has changed. Really? Fact, well, okay, think, expand I on think, that. What? I think Mark Shifley is not, not necessarily going to be shipped out of here. I think the Jets need to take a long, hard look at where Pierre-Luc Dubois is going to be in two years and figure out if he's going to be signed because it might be a 180 here. There might be a 180 of going back to Mark Shifley and trying to fix things and establish him here if Pierre-Luc Dubois doesn't want to be here for two more years. Because guess what? If Pierre-Luc Dubois doesn't want to be here in two years, he won't be here in two years. And I mean, you know, there's chatter about offer sheets. I don't want to get too crazy. Well, that's the here. same with Shifley. But, I mean, that's, but, that, that's no different from Mark Shifley. He's an unrestricted free agent in two years. Right. But, we're, but what I'm talking about is we're talking about Pierre-Luc Dubois being a restricted free agent now. So, you know, are we going to see what we saw with Jacob Truba? Are we going to see what we saw, you know, with other guys that, you know, eventually just move on, get through their, their deals and move on? I'm just saying that I'm not saying that Mark Shifley is going to be on this team next season, that, you know, he couldn't very well be traded if the right offer comes. But if you're the Winnipeg Jets, I don't think this long-term, you know, this belief that Pierre-Luc Dubois was going to sign long-term is now as slam dunk as you thought it was at one point. I don't think that's the case right now. And so I think you need to be exercising your options. And your options include keeping Mark Shifley, who's currently under contract for two more seasons and can't move if he wanted to. So if the truth is he hasn't asked for a trade, if the truth is you know, he doesn't want to move, then maybe there is something that can be said that can reconcile that. Because I think they're in a situation right now where they have a lot less certainty at center than they would have felt a year ago from now. And so, again, I'm not saying, I'm not pushing one way in to suggest that, you know, Mark Shifley is, you know, on the chopping block, not on the chopping block, is being told that he's the future. But if you're getting back to a leadership group, if you are convincing Mark Shifley to come back, at what role does he need to play? Is he going to be taking a less role in leadership? If he's buying into it now, does he remain a leader? Does that does that work for other players in the locker room? There's so many questions that I think need answers to before you can establish whether, you know, stripping a C or having a, you know, a group of A's. Heck, why don't we go down to like, you know, junior hockey where, you know, some guys wear A's for home games and some guy wears A's for away games. I, I literally just suggested where- that. I, okay, I, I'm, okay, I'm, not, so, I'm not even joking. I mean, I, right. I think that if you had a core group, let's let's say Wheeler, you know, let's say Wheeler says, okay, you know what? I see where your guys are going. I still want to be, you know, a part of the group. Absolutely, you will be. So you've got Wheeler 
and Lowry, and maybe one's at home and one's on the road. You've got Josh Morrissey and Pierre-Luc Dubois, and then say you're going to pop in whoever, Kyle Connor and Nikolai Ehlers. You know, you have three on the road, three in the group, and you mm-hmm. have that group that, you know, kind of empowers some of these younger players that I think from what we've heard have have wanted to be part of the solution, wanted to be culture carriers of the team, and that wasn't really there. And I think that fundamental change with the the structure and the organization of the team, I think would be, well, I think it would be very positive for the atmosphere around the team. I think it would be big for those younger players that, you know, I think feel ready to be a bigger part of this team and, and probably deserve to be as well. Um, and the other thing is, and this gets back to Blake, um, you know, a lot of the burden of the things that I think were a real drag on him that I think affected him sometimes, both publicly in front of the media and potentially behind the scenes, mm-hmm. are removed. And it's not just his burden to carry when things aren't going well. And I mean, I don't see how that would be a bad thing for the Winnipeg Jets right now, considering the season that they had. And as far as Mark Shifley goes, listen, I'm just going to say this. I... I, I if you want to talk about leadership and leading by example, last season was one of the worst examples you could have possibly had by a guy wearing a letter. And uh, listen, if he was back in the mix, I really do wonder what you know how, how you make that right with the rest of the guys in that team. And that's why I still think that it's most likely that he's not here right now. But listen, the Dubois thing, here, I'll hit you with this. Mm-hmm. If Shifley sticks around or if Shifley's traded, do you think that has any bearing on Dubois' situation? Is he more likely to sign a long-term deal in Winnipeg if he knows that Chifley's not here and that number one spot is most likely his going forward? Well, here, I'll, I'll say this much. I feel like, you know, Darren Dreger's really good at what he does. He breaks a lot of news, but he breaks a lot of Jets news that comes right from the horse's mouth. So if he's tweeting that he doesn't think Blake, or sorry, Mark Shifley is on the Winnipeg Jets next season. He's getting that from the Winnipeg Jets. So if he's here next year, something changed. So yes, I would go as far as to say if Mark Shifley is here next year, I'm not saying it's dra- necessarily drastically altered. I'm not saying it wouldn't drastically alter those, you know, th- th- those thoughts and beliefs. But if Mark Shifley's here next year, then yeah, I think things have changed with you know, not not necessarily change in that, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois is soured on the Winnipeg Jets or doesn't want to be here or wants to get out of here. I just don't think he's as committed to signing long-term. Now, you know, you talk about the splitting up leadership. Maybe that's what he needs to see. Maybe he needs to see a big change from last season. I mean, this is a guy who who came out and faced the music in front of media after all the losses, you know, spoke you know, genuinely about the team's struggles and about his own personal issues and, you know, and and all these things. I mean, he deserves to wear a letter. So if that's not part of the conversation for him, then I don't know why he would want to stick around. I mean, this guy has played a leadership role without a letter. To give him a letter, I think, is the least that the Jets can do for what he's, you know, how he's conducted himself with with this team and with this organization. So, again, I think it, you know... I'm saying I'm not suggesting that Pierre-Luc Dubois isn't going to be a Winnipeg Jet for a long time, but I would say if Mark Shifley's back in the mix and it's like nothing happened last season, um, yeah, I don't think those conversations went to plan because clearly, you know, or he's back or there's somehow, you know, maybe it's the best case scenario. Maybe they signed Pierre-Luc Dubois to a, you know, to a, to a long-term deal this summer and then Mark Shifley's back 
and they've just kind of convinced him, you know, we're going to work with you and whatever. And, and that would be, again, the best case scenario. I, you know, would that take an incredible amount of work? <laughs> My guess would be yes. Um, but I don't think, you know, if I'm the Winnipeg Jets, that might be the work that I need to do. You know what I mean? All off season to ensure that this team's, you know, they're, they're shot at being a contender or they're shot at pushing for a playoff spot. Cause I think contenders out of the vocabulary at this point, um, you know, shot to push for a playoff spot is there with both of those guys on this team. I mean, you know, whether you like Mark Shifley's effort or not, clearly, you know, a lot of people didn't down the stretch. Um, but at the same time, he's a quality hockey player. And so if you can convince him to get on the right page and convince, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois to, to commit to this team and, and whatever, what that would take, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, but it would, I imagine it would take a lot. There's just, you know, as I said, Huss, there's a lot of moving pieces all generated <laughs> from simply a question based on spreading out the A's. They got to figure out that locker room before they start, you know, smacking letters on guys' jerseys. Well, no, for sure. And, and listen, I mean, I'll just say this. I'll disagree with you on one spot. I don't think the best case scenario, I don't think the best case scenario for the Winnipeg Jets short and long-term is signing Pierre-Luc Dubois to a long-term contract and having Mark Shifley come back in that same spot. I mean, I just think there were too many issues. Uh, and I think that the value of Shifley at this point with two years left on his deal is too great that if you want to make a core changing move that probably takes some of the assets you're bringing in for Shifley more on a timeline of this next sort of push of players to really contend. I mean, to me, an excellent deal by the general manager to get maximum value for that asset while also opening up some more room for leadership and really changing the culture. To me, that's the best scenario for the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, that's just my opinion. No, and I and I think that's hard to hard to hard to disagree with. You know, and again, my you know, my suggestion is all based on what feels like the impossible at this moment. And that's ironing out all these wrinkles that exist not just with Mark Shifley, but with Mark Shifley's teammates against Mark Shifley. Clearly there's a, you know, <laughs> an angst building over 55 and, and you know, how, you know, and, and how he conducted himself over last season. So I'm only suggesting it's a best case scenario if you can somehow iron out all those issues. If you can somehow bring everyone together and have Mark Shifley be happy and wanting to sign with this team and, and not holding that, you know, resentment he's clearly built up over the years and, and whatever. And he's done a lot of great things for this organization. I Absolutely. mean, it's, it's, it's almost an unfortunate, it is an unfortunate situation that, you know, by 10 years after this team's, you know, come, you know, come to be, you know, return to this city. We're now talking about the guy that has, has really helped them get to that point. Now, Obviously, you can make the argument he's also one of those guys that's helped them kind of fall in in, in their grace here. But um, again, I, I, I'm not suggesting that you know the you know Mark Shifley or dealing Mark Shifley isn't the best thing for this team. I think it's certainly an option. I think it's certainly something you need to explore for a guy who you know maybe the damage is too big, maybe the damage is too much uh, to repair. Um, but I also know there's a lot of guys in that locker room that that are on Mark Shifley's side that still like Mark Shifley, you know, guys like Josh Morrissey, guys like, you know, guys who have big voices in that room, you know, it's not like everyone dislikes Mark. It's just, you know, the, it's just, there was a, a lot of tension in that locker room as, as the season went on. And here we are trying to figure out the pieces here and, and who wants to be back and who doesn't. Cause I'll tell you what, Elliot Friedman's reported. Others are reported. There's other guys in that locker room who have been like, not demanded trades, but said, Hey, if you if you're dumping off, I wouldn't be against it. 
And so like, you know, we don't even know who those guys are, but you can imagine, you know, there's a handful out there that, that aren't happy with their situation. So again, it, it goes back to really figuring out, I mean, and that's where this time comes into play, right? I mean, you look at, you look at what the Jets need to do and hire Cause you know, a lot of these, you know, a lot of questions that some players have are who's going to be running this team next year, right? Who's going to be running the bench? Who, you know, what does the future look like? Guys want to know what that is. Guys have a right, you know, as employers to know what their future looks like and who their bosses are going to be and, and whatever, right? So I think there's a lot of uncertainty right now that, you know, is, that, that just needs to be figured out so that you can start picking away at all these other things. Because I imagine the meetings you'd have with Mark Shifley at this point are like, okay, you know, I appreciate you, you know, you, you saying nice things about me or a willingness to, to, you know, and I'm not saying, you know, maybe Mark Shifley's for, you know, has, has reflected on his year and, and feels like he could have been much better in how he conducted himself. So, but I just don't think those meaningful conversations can, can exist without having your, you know, your next head coach in place. Cause those are just natural questions to be had. And I don't think, you know, if you're looking to get the full picture as a player, as much as you can certainly get that from Mark Chipman as the owner of this team or, or Kevin Sheveldayoff as the GM, you're going to want to probably get that from the guy who's controlling your ice time. Because as we all know, everyone's favorite coach is the one that plays them the most. And so, you know, you, you kind of want to have a, you know, as a player, you want to have that kind of situation figured out before you start getting into, you know, meaningful conversations with the higher ups. Yeah, we'll put it this way. The last thing I want is any player, but particularly a guy that's a so-called leader coming in and, you know, it being conditional on how he's buying in as to how much the new coach says he's going to play him before the season. I mean, it's still a team game and it needs to be thought of that way. And it was quite obvious that far too often uh, not enough guys were thinking that way or pulling on the same rope. And well, it's led to a lot of interesting conversations like this on the program. Hammer, give me a sec, because I do want to get to the Bombers. We went way long. Mm. Just got to give a quick plug to our friends over at Not Auto Corp. If you're looking for a new whip for the summer, what are you waiting for? Head on down to Not Auto Corp at Waverly and McGilvery and uh, find out everything they've got on the lot as well as if you've got a uh, dream car you're looking for, they'll help you find it and get it at the best price. Why not get into the car of your dreams at an amazing deal? with the help of the Knot team. Pop down and see them at Waverly and McGilvery, or you can uh, check them out online at knot.ca. Uh, our friends at Little Brown Jug are busy for this summer. We'll announce officially our date for a Friday afternoon show at Little Brown Jug in the next week or so. But in the meantime, they just launched a cider fermented for four and a half months from cold-pressed apples from an Ontario orchard using a mix of wild and cultured yeast. It's dry and refreshing and gluten-free. And in addition to the cider, there's many new products available from Little Brown Jug right now, including queer beer, Saison, Hefeweizen, and Folkfest Lager. Stop by their taproom or patio to try out one of their delicious brews. Always a great day for a blizzard. And now the blizzards have gone royal. Try a blizzard royal today at one of the four Nick and Nicky DQs. Your favorite blizzard with a chocolate or peanut butter filled center. Are you kidding me? Uh, four locations to check these out. DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, or DQ St. Anne's. And uh, a big thanks to Nick and Nicky for their great support. Hit them up on Instagram, by the way, at DQ Manitoba. If you uh, if you want to get a cake done up, custom made to pick up quick and easy at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs. And as we transition over to the Bombers, a big thanks to Princess Auto. We'll be doing Bomber reports for Princess Auto all season long. And of course, Princess Auto sponsoring the tailgate before the game. I know it'll be rocking before the 10th 
of June, the home opener for the Bombers against the Ottawa Red Blacks. Princess Auto, of course, also the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Visit them at one of their two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road or Portage Avenue West, or shop online 24-7-365 at princessauto.com. Uh, there is a game tonight, Hammer, and it is the Saskatchewan Rough Riders hosting about a skeleton staff I could have possibly imagined from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Let's just face it, when people are tuning into TSN tonight and seeing my buddy Dustin Nielsen struggle through not even a depth chart, just a numerical <laughs> yeah. roster, uh, many yeah, of us might know. be wondering, who are these guys? I think it speaks to the schedule, having such a short time between these two games. And, you know, with a couple of injuries already in camp, probably wanting to make sure that the starters are ready for the 10th, more so than getting some live reps against the Riders tonight. Yeah, so I kind of made a few notes here. So Kolaris is out again, um, which was which I think is a is a smart play. Um, you have the entire projected starting O line that's not playing. You have pretty much every starting receiver except for Rasheed Bailey um, out. You have uh, much of the defensive line minus one. I, no, minus all of them. Linebackers and DBs for the most part. So yeah, I think this is the the last chance university for some of these guys to to show up and step up and and make a play, as as Mike O'Shea would say, right? That you know, how are you going to make the team? Well, you're going to have to play within the systems. You can't go against what they want you to do and where you need to be on each play, but you need to be, you know, doing so at an efficiency rate where you're able to make a play when it comes to you. And I think that's that's going to be kind of the the theme in this one is that you know, the, for the guys that are are fighting for jobs. This is kind of their last opportunity to make an impression and uh, to fight for one of those, you know, ultimately one of those 46 uh, game day roster positions. Now, of course, there's going to be injuries. There's going to be, you know, 10 man practice roster uh, opportunities, but that's all going to get figured out uh, by the weekend here. So, um, you know, certainly an interesting game. It's always an interesting game at Mosaic. Uh, we'll see what happens though. I mean, it's like I said, you know, it's, it's a lot of, it's a quick turnaround. So there's not much, you know what wasn't much school to to take in through you know um, from from Friday's game to now, so we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, it's always going to be an interesting one when it's in uh, Ryderville. I mean, let me ask you this: I mean, you're going to be covering this game from a Bombers perspective, I and mean, what are you looking at tonight? I, I mean, I guess to me, I mean, the obvious thing is the Brown and uh, Prokop. I mean, the two quarterbacks that are dressed for the game. I'd imagine each will get a half, and you just meant. You just mentioned the offensive line that the Bombers brought out to Regina. I mean, hmm. let's just say both of those young men better be get ready, get it ready to get rid of the football quickly tonight. But outside of the obvious battle for the number two spot, um, what else is on your uh, to-do list to make a point of keeping track of tonight? I think you're just looking at areas where people can pop off, right? I mean, and the thing is, is I don't really, you know, I can't, I don't really want to point to certain names and 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 let people you know, let people think like this guy's on the edge of maybe making the team. I really think everyone in this roster, you know, if they had a job heading into this game, had a spot, they could lose that spot. I don't think there's anyone in this game per se, you know, minus maybe Rashid Bailey, of course, um, that, that, you know, is, is that doesn't have to do something meaningful to, to secure that roster spot. So what I'm looking for is, as you mentioned us, I mean, clearly you're looking at the, you know, the backup quarterback situation, but outside of that, certainly looking at the kicking game, you know what I mean? This is the, 
you know, Ali Matata is a, is a guy that they brought back, you know, really nice guy, worked really hard in the offseason. This is his full training camp. This is his full opportunity to get used to used to the team and all that. He didn't attempt a field goal, a field goal last game, but he did, you know, have three uh, extra point attempts from the 32-yard line, one rung right off the the, the right bar, which in, in, you know, the grand picture isn't that big a deal. But when you take into consideration what he, you know, what he did or didn't do last season at points, it is concerning. So I'll be keeping an eye on that. I'll be keeping an eye on Mark Leggio and how he's punting. He had some good punts last game. He had some not so good punts, some pretty fairly weak punts. So, how, you know, how is he performing in enemy? Hey, just on that, Jeff, I mean, do you think, and it's interesting, uh, do you think that they're looking at having one guy for both jobs? I think they would love one guy to steal both jobs. I just don't think, you know, like I, I think it'd be easier for them to have one guy doing both jobs than it would for having one guy do each job. I think that would be a team philosophy across the board, unless you have one guy that's extremely strong at punting and the guy is extremely strong at place kicking, um, which to be quite frank with you, neither of these guys have shown to do that. You know what I mean? Like Ali Matar has been a pretty good kickoff guy. Um, you know, he can sail the ball pretty well, you know, in, in that regard, but you know, he hasn't proven to be a consistent field goal kicker. Mark Leggio hasn't, you know, proven to be a consistent punter at this, at this level. And maybe we're being a bit unfair, you know, at this stage of just being preseason, but the, you know, and, and the fact that the, you know, the Bombers pretty much just walked through the season last year without a kicker and then signed one late in the year. And then he became like their all-star, uh, through the playoffs. Right. So you know, they know they can get out of it, I think. And they would like to get have these guys establish it. But I think that's the point in, in, in identifying that position and focusing on it is because I think they would just really like somebody, whether it's one or both of them, to really grab onto their job and secure it. I just don't think there's as much confidence there as they would have wanted or would have maybe even expected at this point in training camp given that both these guys were at the team last year and had all off season to prepare. Now, again, it's one game. Um, you know, I don't think you can put, you know, that sample size and, and be def- make any kind of definitive statements, but I do think with you adding this game to the mix, you know, we're going to want to see an improvement on what you saw in the last game. So I think, you know, uh, to answer your question, has absolutely. I think they want one guy to do both jobs. Um, I think they're happy with two guys. But I think they'd want to be. I think they'd be happiest if it was two guys. If two guys were really doing great at their jobs. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean that's an obvious one. Outside of that, I'd be looking at, you know, I'd be looking at receivers. You know, we, um, you know, we saw Dalton Schoen show pretty well. You know what I mean? Like he's a guy that, um, you know, he's a guy that's, uh, you know, got a touchdown last game. Um, you know, Brendan Leary Orange is another guy. Um, He's another guy who, you know, has an interesting story as far as, you know, like getting back from injuries, being a Canadian, maybe having carving out a spot in that role. We'll see what he can do. You know, he, he's got an interesting story. Um, you know, there's guys like Malcolm Thompson who had a who had a great game last game. You know, he, he was the one that that forced that uh, that that fumble um, with that big hard hit out of safety. You know, that's a position that is. I don't want to say up for grabs per se, but Brandon Alexander is not going to come back and play for the first, you know, X amount of weeks. So they need to find someone there. Winston Rose got hurt last game. They're thinking he's going to be back for week one, but there's still no guarantee. So that's another spot. 
Mercy Mastin is out for the season. So they need to figure that out on, you know, on, on the strong side linebacker, which is again, just another piece of that secondary who's going to go there. So there's a lot of moving pieces there. When you consider that, that, you know, against an Elks offense last or on Friday, how they were able to move the field on that, on that starting defense, if you will, um, you know, concerning again, it's preseason. We'll see what happens, but there's a lot of moving pieces in that group. So I'll be looking to see some, you know, see who stands out in the secondary, see who can make plays um, and cover well. I mean, that's, that's what this team needs. They're going to get the the pressure on, on the quarterback. They just need to have that, you know, that, that, those turnover machines in, in, in the last line of defense. And there's, and like, like I said, there's a couple spots there that are, uh, that are available. Hammer, great stuff. Even if it's the preseason, I know you'll have fun experiencing Regina, and uh, we'll look forward to uh, having you back on the program. Uh, you get anything juicy on Trot's watch, you let us know. We've always got an empty chair for you at any point, but uh, in all likelihood, we'll talk to you early next week. Appreciate it as always, my friend. You got it, Huss. Thanks for having me on, and uh, shout out to the uh, shout out to the commenters as always. Thanks for having yeah. me on. Wild day in the WST chat today. Uh, you always bring them out, for Hammer. Sure. At Jeff K. Hamilton on Twitter. And, of course, tune in. Uh, check out tomorrow's Winnipeg Free Press for a full recount from Jeff. Boots on the ground in Regina of tonight's Bomber preseason finale before the home opener on June the 10th. All right. Well, home opener tonight for Assiniboia Downs. We're going to get to Darren Dunn in just a second. But it's also... Huge night in the National Hockey League. McDavid, McKinnon, we get number one. It's a se- game number one. It's a 7 o'clock start local time. Much better times than the later ones, and certainly for the folks out west as well. Um, why not hit a Boston pizza? Get on those gourmet pizzas, Boston's wings, ice-cold schooners, and, of course, the game on all the screens with the big sound. And if you're staying at home tonight, check out their game day deals and order online at bostonpizza.com. Uh, Our friends at Canadian Club are ready for Blue Bomber season. Of course, CC is your official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And come June 10th, the Jim Beam Stillhouse will be rocking, the Brugal Rum Hut, and the CC will be pouring around the stadium. Of course, Canadian Club and Ginger Ale now available at your local beer store in Cannes, so make sure to try that as well. You can always get the great taste of Canadian Club at your local liquor store. Um, by the way, stick around at the end. Might have another opportunity to get one of our lucky listeners or viewers into that Whiskey Fest event tomorrow for Maker's Mark, uh, courtesy of our friends at Liquor Mart, the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame, and Canadian Club. So uh, we'll do that. But first things first, we got to get ready for opening night tonight at the Downs. It's been too long. It took an extra eight days, but we're back tonight. Live racing begins at 7.30. Remo and I will drop our picks, but first, let's head out to the west side and catch up with our good friend, the CEO of Assiniboia Downs, Darren Dunn. Double D, great to see you and talk to you again. And uh, here we go tonight, a little later than planned, but better late than never, huh? Yeah, great to see you, Hustler, as well. And and that's exactly right. We delayed our opening for eight days. And obviously, to those uh, in this province, they, they know the record snowfall we had this winter and the record rain in spring. So the short version of that is that the locally-based horses who have spent their uh, off-season on the farms, et cetera, um, spring training actually starts here all the way back in March the 1st and brutal conditions like oh. we've never had at Assiniboia Downs. 
Um, so everybody was a bit behind. And uh, to be honest with you, wanting to get off to a good start with big fields as we have tonight, we wouldn't have been able to achieve that eight days ago. Um, our main track uh, that the public sees, uh, we have a half-mile training track in the backstretch as well. But the main track that uh, the public sees when they come out to watch and wager on the races, uh, generally we open that for the last meaningful training before uh, live racing gets underway around April the 10th. I couldn't get that open until April the 29th. That cost the local horses three weeks of training. And so when you got to take on horses coming in from Phoenix and Florida, Nebraska, uh, Texas, that are just dead racing fit, we've all played some sports in our life and you can practice all you want. You're not game fit though. And uh, so the, the playing field had to be a little bit more level and uh, I wouldn't have had the participation to be able to put the races on properly uh, with the weather we've had. So that eight day pause sets us up for tonight quite nicely, though. I could have asked for a little more sunshine, although <laughs> allegedly, allegedly later in the day, it's going to clear. Yeah, I was going to ask you about what the track's like right now, because as we uh, as we are all well too aware of, it's been one haymaker after another from Mother Nature. And um, the last 48 hours around here has not been very nice. Um, you know, assuming this system clears out, uh, I guess we'll probably have a muddy track, but we should be good to go tonight. No, absolutely. Yeah, that's exactly right. I just hope the conditions are a little bit better for everybody involved. And I mean the customers first and foremost on a on a day when we traditionally welcome folks out uh, for the first time in a long time and, and restriction free, COVID uh, re cautious, but restriction free for the first time in, since 2019. Uh, yeah, the track will be muddy for sure, maybe even sloppy. And, you know, just a, a, as a handicapping tip, that tends to favor speed. So you tend to need to back the horses on the front end. The other horses that are getting the, the sand uh, kicked at them, uh, it can cause... Uh, you know, less than their best effort at times. So uh, watch the speed. So fit horses, here's the, the, the rule of school for tonight, tomorrow, and probably next week. Fit horses racing at other jurisdictions who have speed uh, with a sloppy track, they're going to be a handful tonight and clearly should be where your, uh, as you like to say, shekels are placed. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, we'll get into the races. There are a couple big stakes races and some yep. full, like massive fields, which is great from a betting side of things. But let's just talk about overall. Um, we're used to the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday schedule right now. You talked about the challenges. We had to back this up eight days. So we're starting today on a Tuesday uh, how are things going to work out? First couple of weeks, a little different, and then we'll get into that normal groove of uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah, that's exactly it, Hustler. We'll go tonight, Tuesday for opening day, and then tomorrow night. Next week, we'll go Monday, Tuesday. So we'll start off two days and then two days. Apologize for a little bit of the confusion on that schedule. Uh, but again, a soft start uh, to make sure the field sizes were full. And again, it's so important on site for those who attend, but also internationally where we send this racing signal to, which is a growing, growing global marketplace. And uh, and then after that, as you mentioned, we'll go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, all the way through to the end of uh, September, where we'll finish off with two days, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday again. Uh, so 50 days of live racing getting underway tonight. Darren, you mentioned that uh, signal and, you know, we spent, you know, I've had a number of conversations over the last couple of years, especially through the pandemic the way you guys navigated through these unprecedented times with some great benefits to the track. I mean, now that we're hopefully all through this back to somewhat, whatever our new normal is, when you look back at the last couple of years, um, you know, how beneficial was it for the track for the exposure that you got on the world ride horse racing scene um, with the unique time you placed the, uh, the, the, the races here in Winnipeg? Uh, an absolute game changer hustler saved our life in all honesty financially we wouldn't have been able to do it with basically let's call it uh the lights off in the building no vlts no food and beverage sales no uh, facility rentals 
no income really coming in at all. Uh, provincial government was amazing to work with to allow us to open, first tracking candidate open, going back to 2020. And then very few in North America, uh, we redesigned, the, as you mentioned, sort of our business plan around an adjusted schedule. And we used to race Wednesday, Friday, Saturday night, now Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, it really opened up a niche in the marketplace for selling that signal, not having to go head to head with the big boys, if you will. Uh, uh, Belmont Park, Santa Anita, Gulfstream, um, the heavyweights, Churchill Downs of our, our industry. Uh, and it worked in an explosively positive way. Uh, so here we now return customers on site. So you say restriction free. We keep this niche signal. And we think it also plays multiple other factors in a, in a positive way. For example, lake life, um, something that we've always dealt with here in Manitoba by racing on the weekends. And Many folks said to me, boy, I'd love to come to the Downs, but, you know, I'm going to the lake, going to the lake, going to the lake. We all know how important lake life is in Manitoba. Well, hey, go to the lake, have a blast, come back for some Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday evening entertainment. And uh, so it fits nicely there. And then the ability to sell our facility for rentals, uh, just explosive or phones, you know, ringing off the hook uh, to book, uh, you know, socials, weddings, et cetera, et cetera. Certainly a two-year backlog that everybody's been having to experience, but it's really worked well in that regard. And the demand for our signal worldwide has never been stronger. As a matter of fact, very pleased to say that this year for the first time, we're actually going into South America. So it's a new continent uh, for exposure to Manitoba and exposure to our racing signal. It might take a while to build up some critical mass of wagering out of that market, but it's a very, very strong horse racing market. And so uh, that's exciting. We work very hard in the off season to be able to try and open that up. So um, Australia, we've expanded that even further. And again, the time zone for Australia and South America is spot on for when we race at night. Um, they're basically racing around their lunchtime early afternoon. So it fits quite nicely in that regard. So very exciting. We hope to do some great numbers and uh, more than anything, just thrilled to have fans back on site from the word go. No doubt about it. Darren Dunn's with us from a Boy Downs opening night tonight at the track. First race goes at 7.30 p.m. Now, Darren, you mentioned you've been able to do some, you know, renting out rentals and some special events on the weekend. Um, we just finished Food Truck Wars uh, yeah. on uh, on the weekend, uh, which is a perfect segue into asking you, what are we eating tonight? I mean, the buffet's back oh. this year. Let's face it. As much as we love throwing a toonie down on the horses, yeah. The incredible cuisine of Assiniboia Downs has always been at the top uh, of the re list of uh, the reasons to go there. Uh, give us the situation now that we're sort of two years away from missing uh, what your great chefs and team are doing behind the scenes. Well, I appreciate that. It's making my mouth water thinking about it. I'm, I, I'm heavily biased, but hey, I get... You know, um, but, you know, the the buffet is back and that's it, really it. We're known for a prime rib buffet out here. We buy the top 5% in quality of uh, certified Angus prime rib in all of North America. So we uh, we put our best foot forward in that regard with the product on the table. Uh, we've redone our buffet. We have a tremendous chef out here. And uh, from that standpoint, it's something we haven't had for the last two years. And so prime rib buffets, you can book them 885-3330 all season long. We're sold out tonight, sold out tomorrow. Uh, um, and we are fortunate to say our restaurant sells out about 90% plus. It's like dinner theater, I always like to say, where we don't turn the table, so the table's yours for the night. Come in, sit down, socialize, enjoy the prime rib, go watch the horses get saddled in the paddock, maybe go uh, plunk a, a toonie in a VLT, but come back, your table's always going to be waiting there, and every 20 minutes or so, we'll gently dim the lights and give you that audio cue where the, the entertainment's out on the track, and Kurt Contois just dials it up on the on the microphone, and uh, and hopefully you cash a ticket or uh, raise a glass to getting them in the next race and uh, back to the table and more food and more fun well speaking about Kirk contour good friend who uh, does such a great job filling in your shoes and your uh, old gig uh, he also yeah. gets together with stretch and uh, you know does a great job we had i mean obviously we're kind of living in the digital space now and 
the Assiniboia Downs YouTube channel really became popular last year, both at 6.45 beforehand, the guys given a quick rundown, as well as throughout the night. And I imagine that'll continue for folks that maybe like we'll be doing betting our favorite picks on hpibet.com and watching from somewhere else other than necessarily being there each and every night. Yeah, I can't say that any better. That's exactly right. We do have Canada's top online legal wagering horse race site, Horse Player Interactive or HPI. As you say, you can sign up for free. We have all kinds of promotions. Um, so if you are at the lake and uh, even Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or you're out of town, you want to play the ponies, you can do it that way very simply on your phone or on your laptop. At the same time, to the, your point about Stretch and uh, Kirk Pantois, tremendous handicappers. I mean, these guys live, eat, breathe Assiniboia Downs horse racing. Uh, the easiest thing to do is, as you say, 6.45, tune in each night before the races start, listen to their show, they're brief to the point, they share their suggested wagers. Um, I'll tell you, they are very, very accurate. Anything can happen in a horse race, but if you don't want to do the work or you want to you know, do the work and you want the, their opinions as well, they're very informed, they take it very seriously, and uh, the help they provide on ASD Live, that's our uh, wagering uh, product that we send out there, the brand uh, worldwide. Um, boy, I'll tell you what you're you'll be well represented by listening to what they have to say more uh, more often than not well darren one of the other things that we love about working with you guys is the head-to-head competition that remus and i have i have a score to settle from his victory in year one of it yes. we get to it tonight and just before we go i mean you mentioned there's you know a couple big stakes races Ooh. right out of the gate tonight um i believe it's race two and race six uh just maybe just give us a quick preview of those and uh, a horse or two that, you know, based on what you've said, some horses maybe from elsewhere that might be in better tip-top shape when it comes to racing tonight. Yeah, well, that's it. Uh, race two is the Electric Fever Stakes, named after one of the greatest mares to ever race here back in the 80s. I love that horse. Uh, Seven-horse field going to post five furlongs. Two horses that, to me, stand out. Number four, Lipstick Lady. And number six, Kim's Texas Bling. I think I'm leaning to Kim's Texas Bling. But again, they both show speed. They're both both, excuse me, racing fit. One's arriving from uh, Texas, racing at Sam Houston Park. The other from Turf Paradise in Phoenix. So again, you got that fitness edge. Tremendous speed. Four and six or six and four in the second, the electric fever. Then we finish off actually race seven, 11 horse field going in the nifty stakes, also named after a credible horse we had back in the day here uh, for trainer all-time great trainer Burt Blake nifty but this one's a little bit more wide open and obviously with uh, 11 going to post anything can happen uh, number three wake up call I think is a huge huge threat again angle speed inside post racing fit from Phoenix I also think Warriors map number 10 towards the outside had a little bit of a stalking style but coming from Lone Star Park in Dallas again fit and uh, and a serious talent so three and ten ten and three in the last race uh, but uh, great value all night with big fields, wagering pools from all over the world. So you'll be able to uh, plug uh, plug away uh, anybody and uh, and potentially have just a tremendous return and at a minimum have a lot of bit of uh, you know have a lot of fun as we kick the season off. I promised myself I was going to swing for the fences in night one and go for a few <laughs> upsets, and maybe that's because I'm still buzzing from the Kentucky Derby. I Ooh. texted you after that, yeah. Darren. You've been in this game for a long time. I was waiting to get you on the program, but before we go. Um, what a historic race! One of the craziest upsets in the history of the sport. And uh, tell you what, if there, I can't imagine a better way to get people sort of excited about what you can maybe hit when you head out to the track than what happened in uh, at the Derby. Yeah, you know what? That's exactly right. It was a twofold uh, bit of excitement for us out here. First and foremost, uh, well, to your point, second longest shot to ever win the Kentucky Derby. My lord, one hundred and sixty-three dollars for two bucks on the beak. 
incredible. Uh, and at the same time, and the horse skipped the Preakness, getting ready for the Belmont, and apparently is training like a house on fire. So going to be a handful in the Belmont Stakes coming up uh, in just about uh, a couple of weeks from now. At the same time, uh, the connection to Manitoba, that the mayor, the mother of the horse who won the Kentucky Derby was right from Manitoba. Uh, a Manitoba-bred horse produced a Kentucky Derby winner. I, I, I've said to people repeatedly, I'm in the odds business. I don't even know what the odds were. A million to one, billion to one with a B. Uh, my God, it was incredible. And so the horse wasn't supposed to be in the race, drew in with a late scratch into the main body of the race, had the outside post. Uh, my God. Uh, I even think of as a track announcer back in the day, I would have probably expected as the Churchill announcer to uh, have called the horse maybe once just out of courtesy and never saw the horse again. How that uh, announcer picked him up in full stride, flying up the fence, weaving through the field, looked like an old 1980s Frogger episode uh, of getting uh, through to the wire and then could have lapped them again if they went around. He had so much left. So Rich Strike was the horse uh, out of a mare from Manitoba. So great pride there and great uh, thumbs up to our local breeders for uh, being connected to the Kentucky Derby in such a meaningful way. And 163 bucks, boom, baby. That is a cash if you had it uh, selected. It was such a great way to start off the season for, uh, you know, as far as, you know, what we're watching. And now it's time to get it started live in yeah. person tonight at Assiniboia Downs at 7.30 p.m. Give our best to uh, Sherry, Sharon, and the gang out there. We'll look forward to seeing them when we're out there in person. And I uh, can't wait to see you and uh, get out to that dining room as well some point very, very <laughs> soon, Darren. Thanks so much. All the best this season. It's uh, great to have you back on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Appreciate it. Great. Thanks, Oscar. Great stuff with our guy, Double D. We will uh, actually, we're working on a little bit of a uh, a betting contest for the races for our listeners. Um, we'll try and launch that next week and then uh, gather uh, a group of winners to uh, join us. We'll hit that prime rib buffet, bet on a few horses, and have a great night out at the track, as well as a large-scale WST event later on in the summer. Um, but Remo, get back in here. It's day number one. I have a score to settle. I took the L last year, and a big part of it was your huge win on day one of our head-to-head -head handicapping. We're now back to zero. We'll see whether you can recreate the magic of your 2021 handicapping season. That was really my first go at horse uh, betting last year at Assiniboia Downs. I was even betting on like some Washington State tracks like late night. Like I got so into this HPI bet. I think I watched more horse racing than baseball, and I paid for the MLB package. I'm not. Ki <laughs> I'm not kidding. I was. I was like fiending for for races. So. Um, yeah, so last year we did this, I, we did the first, you know, bet of the season. We're betting, you know, $20 a race day. And I had zero prepared. I hadn't looked at anything. I had never bet. I didn't know what I was doing. I threw $20 down on some random horse. Wasn't even a favorite. And it won. I think I won like 150 bucks on it. And that kind of propelled me to win. That that gave me the boost that I needed. I was desperate. I, I was chasing. I was chasing from day one of the regular season. That being said, we are back to zero. We'll be making our wagers each and every race day. And again, one of the real fun things that we ended up doing quite a bit last year was making our bets at HBI Bet. And then if we weren't able to get out to the track, watch it live on the ASD YouTube channel. As we mentioned mm -hmm. with, uh, with Greg, Stretch and Kirk do a great job of filling you in on everything you need to know at 6.45 each day. Pretty sharp dudes. They've given out a lot of winners over the years. Um, so that's a great resource as well. 
And then you can go and watch the races live on YouTube. And sometimes if I'm out, I'll have the bets that I already know, but you can sort of experience the live racing thrill without the oh. weight. Just go back on YouTube, watch the races that you have a wager on and see how you did. So let's get to it, Remus. I will start off as the challenger. I will go first. I'm making four $5 bets today. We're going to start it off in race number one, try and get going with a great, great start. I'm putting $5 on number four, dosh, or dot, dash, dot, to win. Moving on to race number two of the, uh, of the uh, action tonight, I'm going with a Quinella 4-6. These were a couple of the races that Darren talked to us about. Lipstick Lady and Kim's Texas Bling. Great name on Kim's Texas Bling, and uh, obviously Lipstick Lady with Antonio Whitehall. Be good. I'm putting five bucks on a 4-6 Quinella. Then going down to the final two races, race number six, we're going to go with a $5 win wager on number eight, Fox Appeal. And then my final bet was that stakes race to finish off the night, race number seven, big 11 horse field for this one. It should be a great way to finish up night number one. And I'm actually going to stick with the number eight horse, St. Louis Guy. So five bucks to win on that. I might even add a Quinella with uh, those. But those will be my four $5 wagers, 20 bucks. Race number four in, uh, sorry, horse four in race one, a four six Quinella in race two, eight to win in number six, and eight to win, or sorry, eight to place. I'm going to go place in this one. Uh, that was my wager. Sorry, I mixed that up. Eight to place in race number seven. What? Uh, where are you putting your 20 yeah. tonight? Here's my things. Uh, and yes, Schickster wants to know the rules of the contest. We're just betting $20 per race day for the season at a sit boy down. So whoever yeah, all of our live races, we'll do them and then we'll toll it up and, uh, we will, yeah, we'll keep whoever, a uh, whoever has more cash at the end of the season, uh, gets the belt. Remus is the current holder of said yeah. belt. Where's the, I got it right here. I got the belt right here. So I'm going to put it on actually <laughs> for the first, for the first one. Okay. Go for it. That's the right. an appropriate way to make your selections. Okay, so as I said before last year, um, last year that I just on the first day I just threw twenty dollars on a random horse. I'm not doing that this year. Uh, it's too risky. I think you got to diversify a bit. You're too experienced now. I'm too. Uh, yeah, that's probably a bad thing. And someone's asking, what's a, a Quinella? That's a first or second in any order in the race. Yeah. So, I, for instance, when I took a four six Quinella, it yeah. can be four first and six second, or it can be six first mm -hmm. and four second. Either yeah. way, you come in. If you want to get them in the exact order, that's the exacta or exactor where you have to have the first. Right. And then there's the triactor, which is the top three, which will pay you more. I would imagine a triactor bet on that uh, on that big final race will probably be quite big. Yeah, Travis says do it again 20 on one. I don't think I can, but maybe if I'm feeling good. But I'm doing I'm doing race two. I'm just doing three. I'll pick three different horses to win today instead of one to win. So race two, number six, Kim's Texas Bling. I know Darren gave Kim's Texas Bling a shout out. So I'll bet $5 on that one to win. And race uh, three, I have $5 on... Benroy to win. That is horse three. And race six. I'm betting 10. I'm not going 20. I'm going 10 on call the cops. 
Is that the oh, right race? Oh, Call the Cops is back. Sorry, that's race five. Call the Cops is back. And it's funny, because we were playing so much, and I was actually keeping track of the box scores, like I knew a lot of the horse names after I got so into it last year. I'm not afraid. I, rem- I remember a lot of these names. But yeah, Call the Cops. I'll go with it. Uh, to so wait. there you go. We'll let you yeah. know who uh, how we did yesterday, and we will have picks as well at the end of tomorrow's show for uh, mm-hmm. race number two, for we- live racing on uh, day number two. And don't forget, if you do want to play with us along, hpibet.com is the uh, is the number. Now, hey, gang, uh, quick heads up. I got an extra pair of tickets for the Whiskey Fest event, uh, event tomorrow. Now, we do have to get out because um, K&R are going to get yeah. going as well as um, uh, Dave and Fink are going to do a, a moose show as well right now. So you'll have some options coming out of uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, but if you would like to go to the Whiskey Fest event tomorrow, and again, that one is at the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame Sport for Life Center. It's one of the ancillary events for the 2022 Winnipeg Whiskey Festival. And this one is cool. Bourbon Against the Grain, the story of Maker's Mark. It's uh, 7 to 9 uh, Micah Dew, Maker's Mark Distillery Diplomat, a world-class bartender and hospitality consultant, will be there to lead you through a tasting of history. Now, the tickets are $40. I do believe they're still available if you want to get them on the Manitoba Liquor Mart's website. But if you would like to go and get a free pair of tickets from your boys at Winnipeg Sports Talk, all you have to do, send us an email uh, at winnipegsportstalk at gmail. Um, especially you members. We'd love to give it to one of the uh, the members that have been supporting us so well. Uh, but just send us a quick email that you are able to go. And um, if we get a bunch of them, we'll spin or flip a coin or something like that. But later on this afternoon, if you do enter and you win, I'll send you the tickets later on today. We'll congratulate you tomorrow, but do want to let people know that they can start planning. So if you can go tomorrow, 7 p.m., Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame at the Sports for Life Center. Send us an email that you'd like to go at winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com. We will pick a winner after the game or after the show today and send you the tickets as well. Now, um, uh, quickly, we'll get to the cool bet lines before we uh, sign off. I uh, did get a couple questions uh, wondering where the uh, lock shop was on Twitter today. Normally, we'll do a live video stream. Dusty's in Regina getting ready for the game tonight. He'll be broadcasting and have the play-by-play call on TSN. Um, We just didn't have a great connection, so we did it audio-wise. There is a couple video clips that we've put up, and I'll retweet them. But if you want this week's lock shop, we're all over picks, props for both conference championships, NBA finals, Memorial on the weekend, and the match with Mahomes and Allen going up against Brady and Rogers. It's all there for you. Wherever you get your uh, podcast, search Lock Shop, and uh, it's ready to go for you before the action gets going tonight. And, of course, in the National Hockey League, we've got Game 1 tonight. Oilers plus 164, underdogs, the Avalanche minus 185. Rima, where are you at on this series right now? I'm uh, Listen, I'm sort of bullish on a, on a awesome series lots of goals and hopefully lots of games i think my best bet for the entire series was over five and a half games at minus 137 kind of think the abs win tonight but i mean that hasn't stopped the oilers they've lost the game one in their last two series and of course they're still playing right now yeah um i think i would probably if i had to take an underdog maybe i would take edmonton over colorado hard to bet against 
McDavid, the way he's playing, I know Avs are the more complete team. They should dominate, but I thought Calgary was going to beat up on Edmonton as well. I think the goalie matchup, uh, I don't know if you're really that confident. Uh, another one, I think the better goalie matchup is is in the East. By far. I, I don't mind I don't mind taking a dart on the on the Oilers here. I mean, McDavid, let's see how healthy Dreisaitl is. Although the Colorado, everyone thinks they're they're going to smash. I know Dom's projections had Colorado like seventy five percent, maybe, but I don't know. I don't know if Colorado's. I don't know if they're rolling like Edmonton's been rolling offensively. So, uh, I'll go Edmonton Tampa is going to be the final. That's that's my pick, and I bet against Edmonton every oh, round. Oh wow, Edmonton. Okay, listen. If you think Edmonton can win the series, plus two twenty on the money line for the series. Uh, I, Avalanche minus two seventy right now. As I said, my favorite bet is over five and a half for the series total games, and I also do like this. Is something you might be able to get behind, Reem. Oilers plus one and a half for the series at plus money plus one hundred seven. That means if the Oilers win the series, you win. Or if the series goes to seven games, you win. And I really do think Edmonton has the firepower to push this series. And they've played very well. And they've actually had a better winning percentage than the Avalanche have since Jay Woodcroft took over. So some pretty good uh, tidbits from Dusty on that series tonight uh, if you check out today's lock shop. Yeah, I bet again. Again, I, I've been dumping on the Oilers for a couple rounds. Maybe it's time for me to move over. I, get, I just don't like picking again. Like, it's like anyone can pick the Avalanche. Uh, to win the you know win the Stanley Cup before the playoffs, like they're the number one favorite. So I'm going away from that, and I'll go, I'll go Edmonton. But who, who uh, knows? Tampa tomorrow is a minus one twenty three yeah. road favorite. Don't forget the Rangers actually have home ice in this series against the uh, against the Lightning. Rangers plus one hundred five home dog. Tampa minus one twenty three. We'll update you on those lines tonight, and uh, of course you've got some French Open options right now. Uh, we've got week one CFL lines available, Major League Baseball, and the NBA Finals, which gets going on Thursday. Um, use the promo code WST. If you haven't bet a cool bet before, we'll give you a 100% bonus on your first deposit up to 200 bucks. Yeah, a couple. Th- I, I know we got to wrap. A couple things we want to get to really quickly. Um, the Jets put this out there. It is 11 years ago today. They had the big announcement. I remember being downtown. Uh, couldn't get it as working in an office building. I got zero work done. I think I got zero work done like months leading up searching thrashers for any news nuggets on Twitter for like months leading Productivity up to it. took a serious hit amongst hockey fans there in was, Winnipeg that summer. There was yeah, there was nothing going on. And so that was a lot of fun. I don't know if anyone wants to show it out in the chat there. Okay, we do have one item here that I think you'll be interested in. So you remember when Jordan Bennington got hurt, Nazem Kadri did the post-game interview on Yeah, and TV. Bennington chucked the water bottle out. So it was the Blues locker clean-out day. Would you like to hear Jordan Bennington's... Oh, re- that, sign re- me up for this. Recount, yeah. <laughs> recount of the incident. Okay, please, you know, please. I know you... I saw this. I was like, this is right up, right up Hustler's Alley. So here it is on Twitter. Um, Jeremy Rutherford tweeted out quotes, but the Blues did their end of season. Jordan Bennington discussing, um, discussing the incident. What's the deal with the water bottle? Uh, I just, I went, uh, I mean, so I went, I went to get my knee checked out mid game and, uh, 
I was coming back to the rink. The game just ended. Walking down the hallway, um, couldn't find a recycling bin on my way down the hallway. And, and right before I went, walked into the locker room, I see him kind of doing an interview there, smiling, laughing. And I'm there in a knee brace, limping down the hallway. And just felt like it was a God-given opportunity. Uh, I don't know, I could just stay silent and, and go in the room or I could say something and, you know, just have him look me in the eye and understand what's going on, something to think about. And I just, yeah, through the, uh, through the water bottle, an empty water bottle, <laughs> it landed like two feet from him. So it is what it is there. And I mean, but it is what it is. It's hockey and it's a competitive game. So that's it. Ah, uh, yes. The benevolent Lord providing him a God-given <laughs> opportunity <laughs> to toss an empty water bottle at Nazem Kadri after the game. Listen, Biddington, we've all seen it a million times. The guy, when he gets hot, uh, is unreal. He's also a mental midget. And um, the guy gets unhinged. He goes nuts. And uh, I would, if you had told me that Okay, this goalie in the National Hockey League, unnamed goalie, whipped a water bottle in the case that he did. Biddington would have been my first, second, and third choices, I think. But uh, I have to admit, I did, I did laugh when he referred to it as a God-given opportunity to whip an empty water bottle at Naz Kadri. I blame the arena. They should have had more recycling bins. What were they, what were they doing? <laughs> And where, what, I think we haven't heard the story. Where is the water bottle? Did someone from TNT pick it up? Can we get it in the Hockey Hall of Fame? I mean, this is a pretty. Recycle pretty, everywhere is in a good, the chat right now. <laughs> good piece of hockey memorabilia, uh, especially if the Avs go on, on to win. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've had a couple beefs yesterday. It was Jock Peterson, Tommy Pham. Today, <laughs> Nazem Kadri versus Jordan Bennington. Nothing says getting back at a guy like throwing an empty water bottle and having like, two feet in front of him. Watch the blue sign. Kadri's a free agent this offseason. Wouldn't that be hilarious? Well, Travis has got the recycle sign in uh, mm -hmm. in it. Nicely done. Uh, we got to get someone needs to send Pinnington <laughs> the Recyclepedia. Well done, everyone. Oh, man. Funny way to finish up the program. This is a great show today, though. Welcome to everyone. I'm sure there's probably some newcomers. If you haven't already, do us a favor. Hit that thumbs up if you're with us in the YouTube chat. And don't forget, if you want to go to the Whiskey Fest tomorrow night, 7 to 9 p.m., send us a quick email at winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com, and we'll pick a winner a little bit later on. Um, thanks to everyone that joined us today. Mike McIntyre, Jeff Hamilton, Darren Dunn. Good luck to our friends at Assiniboine Islands on another great season beginning tonight out at the track. And um, as we mentioned, Kenny and Rennie are live right now getting you set up for round three of the conference finals with Ken in Denver before tonight's game. So I think we'll do a uh, raid over there. So if you just hang with us, we'll send you over there. And as well, if you uh, do want to check out IC, they're talking the end of Moose season with Daniel Fink as well. And coming up at 4 o'clock, bombing and Walby. We'll get you ready for tonight's preseason finale for the Winnipeg Jets over on the Bonfire channel. So lots of content for you, gang. Uh, but thanks for 
first and foremost, making Winnipeg Sports Talk a part of your day. Great show, great guests, really enjoyed it. And we'll be back at it tomorrow. Talked a lot about Marat's report today with Scott Arneal. Marat will join us tomorrow on the show. And of course, we'll break down what happened last night or tonight with the Bombers and the Riders. And of course, game one between the Avalanche and the Edmonton Oilers. For Michael Remus, I'm Andrew Patterson. Thanks to all of our sponsors and you for making us a part of your day. Have a great night, and we'll see you tomorrow on WST. Oh, my God! Oh! Shut it down! Let's go home! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.